Welcome to a Trucker's Mind Podcast. I'm Eddie McGee. It's your boy K Fing. We're back, man. Episode 211. Yes, sir. All right, let's get right in. 211, okay. Yeah, man. To get drunk over here, huh? Oh, God. <laughs> that, uh, 211 is considered a malt liquor, I think, right? Yeah. That, that 211 is for people that just got out of doing five years in prison or something. For sure. Yeah. It's cheap. That's pretty much the requirements of like niggas that want to drink it. The, if, they did, if, if they did a commercial, it would only be a few words. Do you hate yourself? Drink 211. <laughs> Life got you down? Drink 211. <laughs> Do you, you just don't give a fuck anymore? Try 211. Are you an ex-con and broke? Try 211. <laughs> Are you nine years behind on child support? <laughs> I don't even think that's possible. You know what's weird about child support? And I'll, I'll say this real quick before we get into it. Is if you don't pay child support past a certain time, they will take your license away. Right? They will take people's license away and you yeah. can go to jail. So here's the question. How the fuck is this person supposed to pay child support now if they lost their license or go to jail? Uh, but I think, yeah, I don't know. It, it, it's kind of backwards. But yeah. I mean, you got to, you got to, it's a lot of people that got like um, a lot of, uh, what you call it? Like grown kids that they haven't fully paid the child support mm-hmm. for, so you got to. I mean, you got to do something. You got to take care of your kids first and foremost. But goddamn, I think that's fucking stupid. How the person, how are they supposed to provide a lifestyle for themselves or pay it when they don't have a car or I mean a license or they go to jail? But what do they? What should they do? Uh, stop fucking. No, I'm talking about what no. should the, oh, go, oh, oh, what oh. the government? What should the government do if they're not? There's got to be something else they got to do. Hmm. I think they shouldn't go past like garnishments. Yeah, some people would be like not getting jobs and stuff though. Yeah, probably. But yeah, we don't have kids, so uh, fuck them. Not Anyways, yet. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> not yet. Why you do Mr. Burns' hands? <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> I'm not ever pulling out again. <laughs> All right, let's get right into it. Um, last week we spoke about Will Smith and uh, Chris Rock right when it happened. Um, we never got a real. We never got a lot of time to really process what was going on. Because literally it happened five minutes before we recorded the last podcast. So we were reacting in real time. If you caught us basically speaking about, um, you know, we didn't even like we when Will won the award, we got it in real time. Mm -hmm. But this is like a week after this shit went on. There's been some developments in the story. Um, What I could say now um, is Will Smith's speech was pretty disingenuous. Only only because, like, there was no apology to Chris Rock. And I feel like he also leveraged the situation. Because I mentioned this in real time. But I feel like he leveraged the situation using um, uh, Richard Williams and saying he was a fierce protector. And it's like, dude, I don't think. And then Richard Williams uh, had a sta- made a statement later. But he didn't make it, like, in response to Will Smith. But he said, we don't tolerate hitting of anyone. <laughs> That's what Richard Williams said. Yeah. End quote. So it's like, dude. You cried, you got up there, you did that, but it was pretty disingenuous how you did not apologize to the motherfucker you assaulted. You apologized to the Academy and all of this, and then you didn't even apologize to the person you hit in the face and humiliated. And all of us now, like everybody was talking about, you even mentioned, you were the first one I heard mention um, Will Smith's trauma, according to him feeling like a coward and stuff in his book. Right. Out of Mm -hmm. everyone I heard that made that reference, Keith was first, bro. Mm -hmm. Charlemagne made it, but he made it the next day. Um, Everybody was making the same point as Keith, but Keith was the first one to do it. Yeah. Um, 
and here's the thing. We spoke about his trauma, right? But nobody's talking about Chris Rock's trauma. Chris Rock was bullied heavily as a kid. Yeah. And to be publicly like humiliated or um, accosted, I don't think I'm using the right diction, but to be a hum- humiliated like that and slapped in the face, imagine how that made him feel. Yeah. You know, they showed him when he was given, I think he was uh, given an award to Quest Love, and he had this really fucked up look he on his just face. Like you seen that? Distraught. He was man. like distraught. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, no one, like, no one noticed how fucked up Chris Rock looked in that moment? Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. I, I think what, as far as the speech goes, um, I think that, I don't know if for me it, it is uh, disingenuous. I think that it was like, misplace or like a misunderstanding i think sometimes we could look at um you know how when you're in church or something like the the uh the preacher is essentially interpreting a story Mm -hmm. so he could look at the story of like a, a david and goliath and you know somebody can interpret it as like you know um against all odds or something like that and somebody else can interpret that story as like being fearless or something like that that's kind of like you know just kind of the nature of like how preachers can see i mean the same scripture and then interpret it however many different ways i think what 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 will smith did was just like um he probably during the course of the filming of that movie he just kind of like embodied richard williams in a sense and he's interpreting Richard Williams' actions through his own lens. So he may think that that is, you know, some people say he might have even still been in character, but he may think that that is something that, and I think he genuinely believes that. I think he genuinely believes that that's something that Richard Williams would do in given given the scenario. But, you know, hearing it from Richard Williams, we know that that's not the case. No, you know what no, I mean? No. So I think he, he, he just kind of like, misinterpreted that essentially the whole movie you know what i mean the whole movie is just about i guess it is about protecting black women and stuff like that but i i don't even know if sometimes sometimes we do things that can be looked at a certain way and we're like so laser focused that it has nothing to do with all the outside (coughs) noise right Mm -hmm. so richard williams may not have even excuse me may not have even really been focused on race at all you know what I mean? He may be focused on his two daughters and making them the best tenor, tennis players in the world. You know what I mean? And then, like, we could kind of create these yeah, these create narratives, narratives around it. Um, and I think that's, like, partly what happened. Because it, it, it's like the, the reason I I hate it, too, is, like you said, he, he used, the like, the biggest moment and the biggest uh, platform that – kind of happens at the Oscars, right? The best actor. Mm-hmm. That's like the war given at the end of the night. You get a little bit of extra time to, right. to give you a speech and exactly. stuff like that. And he gave this whole, like, like metaphor for there you go. all these things. And it was, like, complete, total nonsense. You know, like we said, there's no apology in it at all. Um, the one person that he disrespected, he didn't even mention. He almost justified, exactly. You know, slapping him. That's why, like, twisted right. storyline connecting it. To that's Richard why I Williams said it was disingenuous. Movie. Yeah, but I don't think that's. To me, it's not disingenuous. To me, it's just like, it's just. Um, I don't know if maybe they're synonyms, but it's like it's almost like fake in a sense. Yeah, yeah. I, I'll put it this way: if you have, how do I say this? 
if you have, you know, the, the, the scent, the distinct scent of a flower, right? Mm-hmm. But then you cover it in shit. What do you smell? Shit. So that was, that's basically what Will Smith's speech was, mm-hmm. right? It may not be the perfect analogy, but he, his speech was supposed to be the flower. But since you covered it in shit, it's still shit. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at the prequel. So here's the difference. The prequel to that speech was the biggest problem because he was posturing. You know, he did the most anti-masculine thing you could do. He reacted off impulse instead of actually seeing the situation and breathing and contacting him after the show. And I mentioned that when we went in live right after it happened. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what he should have done. And I still am standing on that. Yeah. Um, and, the re- and the reason why I call it disingenuous is because of the wording that he used. He was a fierce protector using that word. And I, and I got to protect so-and-so and it's like bro shut the fuck up like get out of get out of this acting bullshit because jesse smollett was doing the same shit even though you've basically even though you lied and you had two africans helping your ass out you still are in court with these alligator tears and acting like some people are such good actors but you can never be a good enough actor when you do something that's wrong and you can't act your way out of it anymore will smith Okay, we all fucking seen what happened. And ultimately, it was a um, ultimately there was an apology to Chris Rock, but it was done through a statement, like almost a PR person. It sounded like kind of like somebody wrote it down, maybe a lawyer or whoever. Right. But it did not come from his mouth. And what did I say when we were live? I said that when you do something like that and you publicly humiliate somebody and you slap them, you need to concurrently make that apology because you are fucking Will Smith. Now everybody gets to run with the narrative. What have they done all week? Everybody's running with the narrative. You know what I'm saying? And it's because Will Smith didn't do what he was what he needed to do. And now here we are. Do I still love Will Smith? Of course. I think we're all human. I think we all have human moments. I think we've all reacted off impulse. But bro, you a 50-some-year-old man. Like by this time, you should have enough emotional intelligence not to do something this fucking stupid. Yeah. You know, and and Look, we've all we all have real feelings. We have feelings of anger, moments of jealousy, moments of all of these moments. They're all real feelings. But that like that's wild, bro. Yeah. I know for me, like you said, um, I'm a fan of both Chris Rock and Same here. Um, Will Smith. And, um, you know, I think they're both, you know, two of the top guys in their respective lanes. Um, obviously, Chris Rock is an actor, too, but he's more so. I think he would more so consider himself a comedian. But um, I was, it's like when seeing the, I wouldn't say I was like addicted to the this conversation, but I was definitely scrolling through Twitter and having like emotional responses to like seeing some of the narratives and, you know, seeing certain tweets that went out, seeing, you know, certain information and sometimes misinformation, seeing, right. you know, people, um, justifying what Will Smith did and seeing the the conversations about black women's hair and seeing all of, all of these things and um you know one of the things that annoyed me the most is just this idea <clears throat> of um just a, a a lack of empathy I think yeah. for for Chris Rock as yeah. a person and it's not because <clears throat> um Chris Rock <clears throat> really did anything wrong it's primarily because um 
and it's split down the middle, so I'm not going to act like it was just um, everybody's on Will Smith's side. But the people that I've seen on Will Smith's side, these are people that are like have a genuine, genuine love and affinity for Will Smith. Right. Like, you know, these are these are oftentimes women that are attracted to him and sexually attracted to him. There's a lot. There's a lot. Like Will Smith is like a icon. He's a sex symbol. Mm-hmm. He's a little bit older and he still, you know, he still has um, he still looks good for his age and stuff like right. that. So a lot of, you know, people Eddie's age, my age, they're looking at him not only from this, you know, men in black and I am legend and mm-hmm. all these movies, fresh prints, um, but also from a sexually attractive standpoint. So that kind of like evens the playing field in a sense to where like he can almost do no wrong. Yes, yeah, weird. And then yeah. you kind of you start at that point. You start at Will Smith being a superstar. And then you bring it down to where you can put things in place to to sort of justify as to why he was right in that moment. Like, oh, okay, Will Smith is a superstar celebrity that I love. Also, he's protecting his wife. Mm. Also, you know, don't talk about black women's hair. Mm. And it's funny that, you know. Confirmation bias. Yeah. It's funny that we say, like, we shouldn't talk about black women's hair, but Jada Pickett ain't got no hair. Yeah, what what are we talking about? There's no conversation. (laughs) (laughs) No hair, no conversation. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm joking, but (laughs) (laughs) but that 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 that's one of the things that bothered me. And I, you know, I had a conversation with some people about about the situation, and um, some people that I that I disagree with, and I and I was basically saying like, and for me now, like in over the past year and some change through like relationships and through therapy and through, you know, just talking to people and, you know, getting a little bit older, I am learning about empathy, right? And I am learning when there is real empathy in in the world, when there's real empathy, like in personal conversations in my personal life, when right. I am exhibiting empathy and when I'm not. Um, and you know, I'm still a work in progress on, on, on that part. But also, like, I can recognize it when I don't see people um, exhibiting it, right? Right. So, you know, in certain conversations, I would hear people talking about um, Chris Rock. And it's just like, well, you know, some people deserve to get slapped or some people this. And I'm like, oh, I'm like, I know that you don't have any empathy, like, because it doesn't go. It's not a one-sided street. You can't have empathy for Jada Pinkett, which, you know, you very well can. But, you know, you also don't have empathy for, for Chris Rock. Because this man was, this man who was much smaller than Will Smith just got slapped in the face yeah. on national television. And you are saying that he deserved it. You yeah, know what I mean? crazy. And yeah. it's just, it's just that, that's, that's uh, one of the yeah. things that bothers me. But I think most. that we have a problem with this and everything. I think it bleeds into politics and everything. Mm-hmm. Where there's liberal and conservatives, where the, some, a liberal could see uh, Joe Biden do something that's completely fucked up and not say anything about it. But you complain about that same thing when Trump was in office and vice versa. There's a lack of objectivity whether when it comes to people who are liberal and conservative, and they do this shit all the time. Yeah, and it's very annoying, and it's just based on the fact that when their guy is in office, he can't do anything wrong, mm-hmm. right? And it's the same difference with this shit with Will Smith. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not infatuated with anyone. I, I enjoy people. I'm a fan of people, but I'm also I have an objective stance. Mm-hmm. I felt what what Will Smith did was very cowardice. Mm-hmm. You know, the fact that you run up on Chris Rock, who's soaking wet, 140 fucking pounds, and you over six foot two, and you slap him because you think that you need to uh, display this 
false masculinity out in public. That's not masculine at all. Mm-hmm. And and when you followed up that bullshit action by being a punk and not fucking apologizing up on there, that was that made it worse. I'm, this is gonna lead to my next point, fellas. This is for men and women, but in this case, more men. Stop doing too much for too little. For example, back when the whole entanglement shit was going on, and she basically used words like entanglement to soften the blow that she was fucking a 22-year-old R&B singer, right? And Will Smith cried, and he got turned into a fucking meme. She didn't even use her words to protect her husband. Yet this dude is physically assaulting someone for his wife. I don't know what women need to hear this, but men need to be protected too. And the best way to protect us is not make us look stupid for loving you. Okay? Mm-hmm. And in that moment, she never fucking protected Will Smith. It was it it's sad how you can take this monumental man and you reduce him down to a fucking internet meme. That is embarrassing. Yeah, yeah, like six summers in a row with the biggest blockbuster movie. Yeah. Yeah. And then he got reduced to a to meme. A meme where his tears have become a joke. Think about that. Yeah. His tears and emotions became a joke, but we both care that she got alopecia. Not to mention alopecia ain't a big deal. You know how many men have male pattern baldness every year? You know how many women make fun of men for being bald? You know how many women say, I got hat fished? I thought he was cute, but he took his hat off and he was bald. You know how many women crack jokes on men for this shit? Yeah. But um, don't make fun of my alopecia. Fuck your alopecia. <laughs> Just because you insecure, I start losing my hair at 25. <laughs> Who gives a fuck? My hairline's back here. Okay? <laughs> my thing is I have respect for people's situations, but at the same time, people's like, he should have not made fun of her. She got a disease. Do you not know what the fuck alopecia is? Have you not opened up a book or Google in your life? There's so many people that said she has a serious condition, bro. It's just they only (laughs) they only say that because and there's different versions of alopecia, right? Right. Some that is just like age induced, I guess, and then there's some that is an attack on your own hair follicles. What what is that called? Um, uh, autoimmune. Yeah, autoimmune autoimmune disease. Almost (laughs) like uh, in uh uh uh, was it uh, filigo? What's it called? I don't know. We're not going to get into that. Yeah, it's the skin condition. <clears throat> oh, vitiligo. Vitiligo. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, that's considered that, too, as well. Yeah. Um, but it, it's, and then there's also, you know, sometimes it's stress-induced. You know what I mean? I've right. seen it in certain, especially yes. women dealing with sorry-ass My niggas. My homie had it. Yeah, or, you know, niggas dealing with sorry-ass women. They be having, like, patches of hair, hair falling out and stuff like that. Yes. But, but I think what happened over the course of this week is, you know, people were, because it's so rare in women, you know, most women, you know, they, they keep their hair through, through the duration of their life. Um, they don't, they're not even, they're not even like in tune. You know what I mean? It's almost like if I could compare it to like, I don't know. And like, there's something, yeah, I guess I don't even want to make a, an, an analogy for it, but yeah, I just think that women are so unfamiliar with hair loss that they are treating this like it's like, it's this crazy thing and, right. then, and some women deal with it most women you know it doesn't happen on the crown of their hair so they're mm-hmm. able to like protect it i know women that have like on their sideburns a like a lot of their hair yeah the hair is you know it's maybe like a bald spot or you know like right. you said thinning out um yeah but that that's that's the thing it's just like we are um making this idea of alopecia 
as to like or relating it to like this like it's cancer yeah like it's, stop you know, that hiv or something open like up that. a fucking book for once man yeah, yeah you just i hate it when people just they just run with a narrative because other people are putting it out and they're like oh my god she real sick y'all shouldn't be making it. how is she sick dude yeah you know, she's not dying it, here's the Harold's. funniest part about it she is fucking beautiful she do look good. She looks amazing. She, she's and she's looked good with short hair for since many the 90s. years. Yeah, yeah. She got a nice head. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. she got a nice round head. Yeah, and I don't. And it's not like misshapen. She looks. She looks amazing. Bald. Mm-hmm. Do you know how many people in the world can't pull off a bald head? That's a lot. Oh, I can't oh, do it. Oh, no, here, here's the funny one, Keith. Mm-hmm. Here's the kicker. Here it goes. How many times have we seen? People on the internet making fun of LeBron James' hair, thin as fuck, but we're supposed to have empathy for Jada Pinkett. So this is where this whole idea of equality falls flat. Mm -hmm. I feel like when it comes to certain equitable things, I believe in equality. But when people or or women say that they want equality across the board, you do not want to be equal to us because the way that we get – like. The way people bust our balls with jokes and cracking jokes on us, women cannot handle that. They are not built to handle that amount of scrutiny and being made fun of. Have you ever been walking or just have seen some friends talking and like a, one of their homies walk up? They're like, hey, what's up, you fat fuck? Mm-hmm. And then everybody starts laughing. And mm-hmm. even the dude that the joke is on is like, ha ha, fuck you, fool. You're stupid. Yeah. That's how men bust each other's balls. You can't talk to no woman like that, dog. Mm-hmm. Women are not built to take that. They will, and even if they smirk, they're gonna be crying like a motherfucker later on. Yeah, they just not built for that. Mm-hmm. And I think that when we when we basically we run narratives into the ground about protecting women, I believe we should protect women. I feel like women deserve to be protected, but we also need to understand that men need to be protected too. In regards to that conversation we had earlier, yeah, with you know Will Smith and then uh, a August Alcina and all of that, yeah, but it's just, just a multi-layered yeah, conversation yeah, 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 to yeah. have. I, th- I think uh, I think one thing that I see is that like um, just with that whole bringing it back to that um, the red table talk, like mm-hmm. um, I think because men are supposed like if that is the idea, men are supposed to be able to physically protect mm-hmm. their women from harm. I think a, a lot of men only ask that their women, you know, kind of create a safe space or protect their emotions. Right. And I think, like, when you see Will Smith crying, and I and we don't know all the ins and outs of that situation, but when you see him up there crying, he's having a very emotional experience. And, you know, when you, when you, uh, when I guess Jada Pinkett, or something dealing with her is at the center of a mm-hmm. lot of this drama. Yeah. Like, I feel like that says something that there is, you know, there isn't really a safe space to, yeah. to you know, to get those it, emotions out. The, yeah, and it's lopsided. The fact that you won't even protect me with words, but I protect you physically, mm-hmm. that's a lopsided relationship. Yeah. That is, that's not okay, man. And here's another thing, too, that women need to really understand when it comes to men. I feel like in any moment, if I really trust a woman and I care about her and I'm vulnerable to her, do not, I repeat, do not take that responsibility for granted. Like if I'm crying or I'm stressed out or something's going on and I trust you enough to do something like that to you or in front of you, don't you dare turn around 
and make me feel bad for doing that or you just dismiss it. That if That's what men need to realize. If a woman dismisses a moment like that, I'm not an overly emotional person, mm-hmm. right? I have emotions, but I'm not emotional, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So if I display my emotions or I'm emotional about something in a moment and my wife or girlfriend kind of dismisses it, we might as well break up right there. Yeah. We might as because you're not mature enough for me to even fuck with you. Yeah. That we just got to just break it off. I think it deserves a conversation. Like you, you could say like, hey, earlier when I came to you about X, Y, and Z, like when you said this, that was very dismissive to me. And if, because cause a lot of times, like, um, at least from my experience, it's, it's, uh, yeah, I think it just, you, you I think you got to give somebody an opportunity because we do the same thing. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? As, as men, sometimes in relationships, we, we can be, we can be dismissive about things and, um, you know, so it's a learning process when you're managing, you know, someone's emotions in a relationship or even in a, in a, in a, you know, not even in a romantic sense, like in, in family I, dynamics and stuff. I agree and disagree. <clears throat> I, I, I disagree from the fact that some people need to be equipped with empathy. If mm-hmm. you're not equipped with empathy and I'm displaying a emotion that is very black and white, I'm hurting or crying over a serious moment in my life. And I display that emotion to you and you dismiss that, let's just break up. Yeah. Because you must be a fucking sociopath at that point. If you can't see that I'm battling with something mm-hmm. and you can't and you just watch me go through it, yeah, yeah, there's yeah. no conversation after that. You mm-hmm. got to go. Mm-hmm. You got you cannot be my wife if you're doing that. We cannot go to the next level because you are you don't have the emotional intelligence or empathy for us to move forward. Yeah. If it's something small, like something like whatever small is, but something major, we, I think we all have, all have an idea, whether it's deaths or something crazy astronomical, like something crazy in your business that happened or you lost all your money or whatever. Those conversations, when you display no real empathy towards it or it's dismissed, like what you going to do later on when something more crazy happens? But mm-hmm. here's the worst part. If a woman dismisses you having a serious moment, but yet is always crying to you about some shit. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah, that's that's not a healthy relationship. It, no, it's one sided emotion. Mm-hmm. And and the and the the worst thing a man can do is be with an emotionally selfish woman mm-hmm. because it's some nobody talks about this. Emotionally selfish meaning when I have a problem and things are hurting me, the I'm, world has to stop. The world has to stop. I'm gonna cry on your shoulder. I'm gonna cry on you. But when you display emotion, well, men are not supposed to. There are some women that work with the logic that men don't even have emotions. You know how many women I've heard say, "I wish I was like a man and I didn't have any, uh, and I didn't have emotions." Or, I wish or, I wish I didn't have feelings. I'm like, excuse me. Or or women they they. Is that, and then also the idea of like, of women want a man to be vulnerable, but they just don't have, they don't give them the space to do it because well, it's those instances where you said like you're crying or you're mm-hmm. doing whatever, and they're dismissive. So most men, they're not, most men don't even articulate that as a reason to break up. So mm-hmm. they stay in the relationship, right. there, but they just hold all their emotions in so they never cry again they never Mm -hmm. show any sort of emotion in the relationship and here's the thing too this is where women fuck up they say i want a man that displays his emotions to me and i want a man that's vulnerable and all of this right but here's the problem they've dated a bunch of uh, emotionally unavailable men 
And then when they finally get the man they want, they're not equipped enough to deal with a man who can display his emotions. They dismiss it because they don't have any practice on how to be empathetic. Yeah. So they've dealt with all these dudes. They probably dealt with dudes that used to be murderers or some shit that never cry, that never have any emotions. And now they finally get a man who is manly enough because in order for you, I think it's a very masculine thing to know who you are as a man and know that I'm not a, I'm not a crybaby. I'm not running around here being emotional with people and shit. But when I feel it and something's hurting me or it's a problem and I cry, I'm crying because there's a reason for it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I mentioned it before. I was at a friend's funeral and one of the dudes there said, man, I can't cry in front of my girl, man. That's I'm like, crazy. what? Yeah. Like, it's sad that we live in a world like that, bro. Mm -hmm. Like, dog, if you can't cry in front of your girl, get a new one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think one thing, too, like, I, um, when I see, like, I think that I think that change is good. I think that right. when you when you do get into a relationship and you and you guys as a couple you're growing together, you're learning about mental health, you're becoming more self-aware, you're becoming a more more aware of of one another. But one thing that I see that is maybe like a little dangerous in terms of like um their relationship is like um like from from Will Smith's book, right? He he told the story about how he had this girlfriend when he first started rapping. You know, he's 18, 19 years old. He got his deal. He going on tour and stuff like that. And um, this is around the time, like, the parents just don't understand, you know, mm -hmm. that era. And he um, he made it a point to have, like, the people in his crew, um, the DJs and stuff like that. Um, and I don't know who else he had rolling with or maybe a couple friends. Um, he made it a point to... Um, never bring like women on the tour bus and stuff like that so there was a moment where they you know they live in they young they living in tour life they bringing women back on the bus and stuff like that yeah. into the hotels and stuff um and will smith was obviously like a stand-up guy right so he went in there and i don't know if he i don't know if he kicked the women out or whatever the case may be but afterwards there was a conversation about him basically saying like hey we're not bringing any women on this bus like i got a I got a girl at home whom I want to marry, and, you know, I, I don't want any temptation or nothing like that around. Like, I'm a stand-up guy, one-woman man, you know, the whole nine, right? So um, that was, like, that's, like, the ilk that Will Smith comes from, right? So fast forward until now, and, and for the most part, like, we as humans, we kind of keep that same that same uh, structure or system to our lives. So I couldn't imagine, like, somebody with that type of, uh, resilience all of a sudden when they turn 35, 36 or whatever, being like, oh, I'm a cheat now. You know what mm. I mean? And this is a young version. The brain's right. not even developed yet, right? Right. So fast forward to then where there's, and I don't know if this is true. Like, you know, I'm not a person that even likes to speculate about people's relationship. But if this is the case, right, if this is a case where they have some open relationship and then you see like the conversations that are being had on the red table, whether mm -hmm. it's like Aisha Curry, you know, speaking about, right. you know, finding it, you know, wanting uh, attention from from other men's and the women on the, the panel kind of like condoning that in, in some way, shape or form. Right. Um, or just other conversations they're having about mental health. And it's just like very progressive conversations mm -hmm. right, about sexuality and all these different things. Right. 
So you take this conser- you know, pretty conservative person in terms of like romantic relationships, and then you you match them with this person that is maybe a little bit more liberal or progressive in in terms of their relationships, and you see like how someone can influence mm-hmm. them. You know what yeah. I mean? And depending on the type of people that they've uh, been groomed around, you know what I mean? Especially in LA, LA is like it's a very different culture where you know there's People out there that'll, you know, and th- this is stuff that happens pretty much everywhere, but L.A. specifically where it's like a uh, a group of people that may be interested in certain sexual things, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? It may be some orgy going on for, for whatever reason, or it may be somebody just doing shrooms and over here, maybe people doing these type of drugs, and it may be like Scientology, all these different like things that are like odd in a sense or not, right. not, not no, no, normally happen across, across America. Um, and I say all that to say, like, you can see how maybe this progressive woman with this conservative man can kind of lead or can have like influence mm-hmm. on their lives to where, um, he almost like has to be okay with certain things or the growth of a person in order to maintain their marriage. So, yeah. Yeah, I think that uh, when it comes down to what you just mentioned, when it came to her on her red table talk, having conversations with Aisha Curry, who was also a married woman who felt she deserved like she wanted more male attention. And you and you got a bunch of married women that were on there appropriating the fact that they want male attention. They made it normal while being a married woman. What the fuck do you want attention from men for if you got a man? Mm-hmm. These are the type of conversations that you could piece. I'm not saying you're trying to piece together who a person is, but you have the tone of who a person is and what they're trying to appropriate. Mm-hmm. Also, you look at the extremes. No disrespect to Jada Pinkett, but the fact that you were fucking a 22 year old man who was a friend of your child. Mm-hmm. These are the extremes that this woman is doing. That's wild. Let's just flip the roles around. And everything that Jada is doing, put a man in that position and everybody would hate him. Imagine a man being married to a woman his age, but he's fucking a 22-year-old. That automatically would get him canceled. I just mm. think that we, we need to be careful with how we view things. Just like with the whole alopecia conversation. We call it a disease, but men go through it every day. Mm-hmm. It's alopecia. <laughs> we talking about alopecia? huh? <laughs> Don't make me turn into Iverson. We talking about alopecia, man. We talking about alopecia. <laughs> alopecia. <laughs> but I could understand HIV, but we talking about alopecia. <laughs> <laughs> yo, yo, I, I be feeling bad for certain things that I laugh at, bro. Yeah. But I don't think it makes me a bad person. It was a, I seen a meme many times over and over, and it says, Always stay positive, Magic Johnson. It was like a quote. That's hilarious. And it's like, I'm not laughing at Magic Johnson because he's HIV positive. That's not fucking funny. (laughs) But the fact that somebody put that in a meme, it's like, come on, man. It's a quote from Magic Johnson. Yeah, and it's it's got Magic like with a thumbs up. And I'm like, come on, y'all. Big old smile. Don't do this, dude. That's funny. Magic's a great guy. I feel feel bad for even laughing at that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He might be cured, too. Who knows? Yeah. Man, I don't want to sound like... I get all conspiratorial, but I really don't think Magic has HIV anymore. Yeah, I don't think he. There's no fucking way. How do you? How do you get healthier and look better after having HIV and get way more money? He, he looks better than most men his age. Yeah, think about it. He's in. He's still in decent shape. 
He when you don't even think about HIV when you see Magic Johnson. Yeah, H- I, he also came in a in an era where, um, I think research was kind of just starting, mm-hmm. and obviously he probably had the money to you know afford the mm-hmm. best doctors and stuff like that. But also it's twenty twenty two now. They got commercials where they're saying like, hey, if you come in contact with HIV, take this medicine, and blah blah blah, you can almost be undetectable and all this stuff like that. So. The medicine now um, is so crazy where we ain't got to wear condoms no more. Yeah, you lost your goddamn mind. <laughs> you done lost your mind. Don't wear no condoms, y'all, man. You can't get no. You can't die from HIV. Yeah, that's crazy. They they gonna st- man. I had a joke. I ain't even gonna say. It. <laughs> yeah, man. But uh, you know, a week later, um, really processing this whole thing. Yeah, with uh, Will Smith and whatnot. It kind of like shed some new light on it. Also, Netflix and Sony have pulled out. Um, was it Will Smith? They paused um, some of the the productions that they had. They yeah, were they, working on Bad Boys Four. Um, I think they put yeah. a halt to that. He had a movie coming out on Netflix, I yeah, believe, and they they, pushed, they paused that. They paused that. Pushed that back, I believe. I, yeah. And and honestly, and this is just me and just the way my brain works. I think that if Will Smith had embedded a genuine apology within that speech. Then I think that they would have not pulled, not pulled or or paused what he was doing. Uh-huh. I think that, that that's just my brain, mm-hmm. but I think the fact that it was kind of almost like a condescending tone in a way, where you 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 apologize to everybody, um, you apologize to the academy and all of these things. You you embed Richard Williams within the apology. And then you completely skip over this intentionally. And then you don't even verbally do it. And it, it's a statement later on. So it's like, bro, how sorry can you be when your actions don't reflect that? I think in order for him, like, I don't think he needs to do damage control. I think he needs to legitimately have go on his platform, which is, you know, Instagram or whatever, and have a legitimate statement to Chris or have a video with Chris. You, you yeah. and him talking. That that's the thing for me. Like I I don't think this, the publicity of it. If I'm Chris Rock, that makes it inauthentic to me. So mm. that's why I from the jump was like like if they have a personal conversation, um, and he says like, hey guys, like I you know I want to reiterate again publicly. But if you're doing it publicly and not personally, that's the the issue that I have. Because I was talking to one of my boys, and he was like, "Man, he's like Will Smith got to pull up on Chris Rock." And mm-hmm. I was like, "I was like, yeah, he could probably do that, or like, you know, maybe Facetime or so, or something like that." Nah. He was like, "No, nah, you got to like literally pull exactly. up on him." And I was like, "Yeah, you're right." Because mm-hmm. I'm thinking about schedules and tours, and I'm like, "Bro, mm-hmm. but these are people that Thank have you. access to jets, and you know, Thank they, can, you. they can get anywhere." And I was like, "I was like, dang, you're right," because. Will Smith was, when Jaden Smith was shooting Karate Kid, um, his oldest son, Trey, was also playing football. So He was in a helicopter. Yeah. So mm-hmm. he was saying that he made it work so crazy to where, like, on Friday when they would when they would rap shoot, uh, the shoot, and the way that the time difference is in, um, in China and uh, in, in, in L.A., um, he would hop on a flight with, I don't know who all was out there. Maybe him and him and Jaden. Excuse me. He would hop on a flight, come back to L.A., and then um, he would get there in enough time to go see all of his son's uh, football games. And then, you know, on Sunday when they 
get ready to shoot again, he would he would fly back. Um, so like if he can do that, I say all that to say if yeah. he can do that, he can for sure pull up on Chris Rock at the drop of a dime. So yeah, yeah, you got to have that 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 conversation personally because there, there just know. needs to be more. Is all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. You know, I I think like we talked about like it does. You said like I don't really care. It doesn't bother me. He didn't slap me. But see, here's the difference. They live in a different world than we do, right? I think we navigate our world, right? We navigate our world the way we navigate our world. But when you are a celebrity of his magnitude and you do something like that, you're not navigating your world properly. Mm-hmm. You're you're fucking it up. Mm-hmm. And in, in actuality, you know, they're probably, I, I, there's probably all kind of people having conversations. This is what no one else is talking about, too. I don't think, like, I don't think Jada... Um, I don't think Jada wanted him to do that, but I think she influenced him to do it. There's a difference. Like her actions and who she is, her aura influenced him to do something like that. But I don't think she's like looked like looked at Will and wanted him to do something in that moment. And I don't even think I don't even I'll go as far to say maybe she's not even impressed by what he did. I I I I would say that she probably isn't, and this is just me interpreting people's characters from what I know mm-hmm. about you know them through interviews and books and stuff like that. She doesn't necessarily like attention, right? Mm. And this is a, uh, a, 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 a an assault that took place last Sunday mm-hmm. that essentially made them the talk of the town for this is going on a week now. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There's still people coming out. There's still stuff happening as far as him stepping down from the Oscars or the Academy and stuff like right. that. So whatever that means. It's so it's so many um so many things that are that are still going on and I think that the Academy is still probably reviewing, you know, the type of action that they're gonna take. So I just think like maybe like you said, maybe she influenced this thing just ba- based off of her her aura or her reaction. But I think in its totality, she seems like, you know, just from what Will Smith said, she seems like a person that doesn't necessarily care for the limelight. So um, for this to be happening, like it, it probably, you know, backfired in a sense. I wonder I wonder if Will and this is just me just spitballing or throwing something out there. I wonder if he understands what type of energy in men that Jada really likes and he's almost trying to live up to that. For example, she loved Tupac. Tupac was a dude that was spit at reporters, cussing people out. He was just a, a renegade. And she loved him. And she wrote, like, she would read his poems every year or she would bust out a poem that, that, was, um, that wasn't, like, published or put out to the world. Like, this is a poem that nobody read yet. Like, it's always something involving Tupac. And... Will Smith openly talked about it on The Breakfast Club about how he was jealous of Tupac Mm -hmm. because Tupac was this renegade type guy and he was the Fresh Prince. Like he was opposite of him and how they did not like each other. Right. And no, he didn't say they didn't like each other. He said, well, he said they didn't they didn't see eye to eye. They never talked. I don't think he got as far as saying they didn't like each other on a personal level. No, no, no. I will do. All I know is there was no relationship there. And I, at yeah. one time, there was there was a video I'd seen of Tupac's crew stating that he wanted to fight Will. And there were multiple accounts of that, mm, right? Okay. 
Mm-hmm. Now we could dispute whether it was it a reputable source, but it was the outlaws. Okay, a couple of dudes from that group and his friends. Where mm-hmm. I seen that from, I think it was a Vlad interview. Okay, all right, but you're not gonna hear that from Will because it's Will Smith. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's the buttoned up, politically correct, whatever. The whole reputation he fought to defend for 30 years got dis- almost dismantled in one action. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I almost feel like what if her type. What if her type of man is the Tupac, um, August Alsina type of dude that she is sexually drawn to, but Will Smith is the buttoned up, clean cut type of guy, and he knows that? The only way I, the only reason I would dispute that is because um, the real bulk of Jada Pinkett and Tupac's relationship was like from a teenager to like 21 years old. That's most of his life. He died at what? Fucking 20. But when Tupac was thug life tatted across the chest, Mm -hmm. that's like when he joined Death Row. Mm -hmm. And that was when he was like 20, what, 25 maybe? I don't know. Yeah. Maybe. So I'm saying when Tupac turned into like the guy, he Mm -hmm. was on Digital Underground. He wasn't rapping. He wasn't rapping about thug life. No, no. This is like Brenda's Got a Baby and all these different songs mm-hmm. that like kind of. She mentioned she didn't like that actually. The Rough Rider. Yeah, she mentioned she didn't. What? No, she mentioned she wasn't a fan of what Tupac was becoming. That's Jada. what I'm saying. So that's 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 my only pushback to that. So, but I'm saying by the time she met Will Smith and started um, a relationship with Will Smith, he hadn't even turned into the Tupac who we glorify mm-hmm. as like the greatest gangster rapper of all time. I don't know if he was a gangster rapper at all. He just like switched. He got thug life on his chest. I mean, that's just a tattoo. I think people <laughs> would call Tupac a gangster rapper. No. I don't think For they sure. Would. Definitely not. He, I think bro, they, he was on Death Row. That's the, the biggest NWA, gangster rap de- NWA was gangster rap. I wouldn't even call NWA gangster oh, rap. Oh, come on, Keith. They're telling stories about... Nah, they, nah. NWA... Dope, man. Dope, man. That's gangster rap. They're telling a story about no. things that they're seeing. No. Ice Cube was not... I think West Side Connection... Easy e was really in the streets. He was selling dope. Like, yeah. he was really... He was the only real dude that was really in the street. He was a street dude. He wasn't even yeah, a rapper. Easy e was the guy, yeah. right? But Ice Cube and Dr. Dre, and I don't know about uh, Yella... But these are they're just telling stories. Right. They're more storytelling. I would say even Ice Cube when he joined like West Side that's Connection. That's still gangster rap though. That's what I don't even think. How can you call that gangster rap and not It is the Tupac? definition of gangster If you look up, if you go to Google right now and you put in gangster rap, NWA will be the number one group that come up. I guarantee you. You think a gangster rap? It's NWA. They are. They were but so- how, can, how can NWA be gangster rap and not Tupac? I don't understand that statement. When Tupac is signed to the label that was kind of built around Dr. Dre. I'm just saying he ain't no gangster. That's all I'm saying. Him individually. Ice Cube is not a gangster. Dr. Dre is not a gangster. But they all from Compton. So the thing about it is. I don't even think Ice Cube is from Compton, though. They all from L.A. Yeah. So the thing about it is, is a lot of them are rapping about Easy es experience. Like he was really in the streets. And it got so bad that the actual U.S. government had them on a list of like banned groups. But they're they're like missing. It's, that's white people misinterpreting <laughs> the stories that they're telling. Yeah, but it's like look, "F the Police" is not a gangster rap song. It's not a gangster rap song, but it's a rebellion from the streets. 
where basically they had felt they were violated and were telling a story about it. But they also talked about the dope man and things like that, mm-hmm. which was reflecting. It was, it was reflection of a gangster lifestyle, mm-hmm. you know, um, talking about a drug addict, basically sucking dick for crack. Like it's, that's like saying Kendrick Lamar is a gangster rap just because no. he's telling stories about. He's telling people. stories that not about. He's not a. He's the opposite of a gangster rapper. He just he happened to be from the same streets, but like that's gangster rap, bro. I'm saying that doesn't make sense because if you don't call Kendrick Lamar a gangster rapper no. who's doing the same exact thing that N.W.A. is doing, then your your argument is just it it kind of falls flat. I don't know, man. I don't know, man. You overthinking this shit. I think I think when you when you like I was born, I was coming up in the nineties, bro. Like I, I've seen like with when you talk about death row, Suge Knight was a blood, right? So it's it's all the same tone. Most rappers are not street guys. You know what I'm saying? Snoop was a crip though. Snoop was a crip. Um, who was another one? Uh, uh, Suge Knight was technically, I believe, he was a blood, mm-hmm. and a couple other dudes was Crips too, but like street street dudes, no. And most gangster gangsters gangsters that's really really in it thick. So you're saying that I don't? I'm not saying Tupac was a, a I think he's affiliated with something just because he's on death row. I'm not calling him like some sort of Compton blood, but he's a gangster rapper by definition. I just put in gangster <clears throat> rap songs. Okay, Ghetto Boys came up. As gangster rap. Ghetto boys mind playing tricks on me. Um, fuck the police. NWA. It's just, this is what's popping up. None but a G thing. Dr. Dre, who was a part of Death Row. Um, it was a good day. Ice Cube. That's not a gangster rap song. I, bro, this is what's coming up. This is Google. Yeah, but like, what is gangster rap? Tupac's gangster rap? He wasn't even from the West Coast. He's from Baltimore. Then he went to Oakland. Then from the, Oakland, he came to L.A. So that has he, nothing to do with gang, gangster rap can be in New York, though. It, it can. But at the same, like, gangster rap was born. It was an L.A. thing. And when you talk about ga- the origin of, of gangster rap is Los Angeles. You would have to define gangster rap for me. I mean, bro, I'm not the one that's making the definition. I just grew this up This is listening. just Google, though. I'm what 37, I'm saying, like, man. I, I, for me, gangster rap is just a tone, a story. When I think of gangster rap... I think of someone that is. Um, you want to know what gangster rap is now? It's probably YG. Yeah. Okay. That's probably what I would I would consider gangster rap is like mm-hmm. a YG. But but the 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 gangster rapper even if a for a guy like YG these are people that look up to Tupac and I think they would yeah. deem him as like a gangster rapper. Apparently so. But I, what I will say about Tupac, may he rest in peace. But all of a sudden he became a blood at like twenty three, like. For Tupac, yeah, like he had, he wasn't repping no sets at no yeah. time. Like I, I got a lot of love for Pac, bro, but like I'm just gonna call a spade a spade. Like he wasn't really about that, but he was getting in a bunch of negative shit to kind of prove himself when he was on that label with Suge. Mm-hmm. But he was, everybody knew he was like a, a, a like a poet, you know, more than anything. He was a very deep person. He's a, like an art school kid, <laughs> art school kid who mm-hmm. was educated. Like yeah. that's who Tupac really was. I think had he actually leaned more, I think he would have been successful regardless. He didn't need Death Row. He was already like, he was he done a lot. He, yeah. He was in movies and stuff prior to being on Death Row. I think he would have been a massive actor if he was alive. Yeah. He started getting some roles. He started, like Juice was a good movie. He played a really good villain. Yeah. And then also there was a movie where he was a cop. 
before mm-hmm. he right before he died. I forgot what it was called. Yeah. Was it called Gridlock or some shit? I think so. Yeah. So, I mean, he was a great actor. He wasn't mm-hmm. a good actor. He wasn't a good rapper. He wasn't a good uh, actor, you know, for being a rapper. He was a good actor, period. Yeah. So, had he leaned more into his artistic... Poetic st- justice. Poetic justice. Fucking great movie. Yeah. Great film. Yeah. Right? And Cousin, what's up, Cousin? Mm-hmm. Remember that part? Yeah, when they go to the, the cookout. Great fucking mm-hmm. movie, man. How yeah. did we get here, Keith? I don't know. Shout out to Tupac, though. <laughs> what I, I was... <laughs> Academics was breaking it down, and mm-hmm. academics was like, man, like, it's. Uh, I, I had this conversation too with this girl, and I was saying like, a lot of women don't um, create the safe space for men, and the reason why um, I know this is because like, and this is us being detective, right? Mm-hmm. Will Smith does speak openly about his, um, I guess, how he pales in comparison to Tupac. Yeah, he was how jealous. he was jealous of mm-hmm. the type of love that Jada Pinkett had for him. Mm-hmm. Um and um if if you know that your partner has some type of, of insecurity and for you to see where you go like every birthday post a poem, mm-hmm. post a picture or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes not even post your husband um whatever shout out on, mm-hmm. on their birthday i i think that is triggering and yes of course, and you can you can be working you can be a work in progress you can work on your insecurities because mm-hmm. their, their relationship has nothing to do with will smith right 100 percent. but you know there is a way where you can and i feel like maybe not intentionally but you are triggering someone oh, because yeah. there is that insecurity oh, that yeah. they have in, in, in the interview on the breakfast club um, Charlemagne, and this is the part where the Breakfast Club, the Breakfast Club, kind of is trash sometimes because it's three people on there trying to interview people, right? Mm-hmm. So Charlemagne asked about the Tupac thing or whatever, and then somebody, uh, Charlemagne was going to ask another follow up question as to like, how did you get over that? But somebody cut him off, and then they asked him another question, and then you know, how interviews go is just like a whole, a whole thing. So he never got to to say say that because he just said like for a long time i felt this way um so much so that i didn't meet him and stuff like that and like we don't know if there's any resolution is what i'm saying so he Mm. could still probably be feeling that type of insecurity 53 years into his life you know so 100 percent. but the the question that i have more than anything is is there intention behind her doing that if there's intention behind her you know uh, sprinkling Tupac in in these convenient moments, like it. I think some people will say like he shouldn't be insecure about that. Like Tupac is dead. What is he gonna do? But I think that I think that there are some women that realize when they're pressing a button, mm-hmm. and they realize they're doing it, mm-hmm. and they feel like and they're appropriating. Okay, let's say for example, let's say that um, I have a girlfriend from like. Uh, college, mm-hmm. and let's say me and her, you know, were together. It was serious, and then she just died. But imagine if I meet a new woman six, seven years later, and I keep on bringing up my ex girlfriend, how great she was, how smart she was, how funny she was. Any human being would be bothered by that. Yeah. Now let's magnify it times a hundred, mm-hmm. and now now you've got Will Smith, Jada. 
You guys are public figures, but you're outwardly putting this message out there. So now you not only does your husband have to see this head on, but now he has to see it in the media. Mm-hmm. That would make me feel terrible if I'm with a woman and let's say she had a boyfriend. They were together for seven, eight years. They was about to get married, but he dies or whatever the relationship was. They were just very close, very close. Mm-hmm. And she keeps on bringing up. You know, Malcolm used to love those sandwiches. They were the best. Dude, oh, I, oh, 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 Malcolm used to love uh, when we went over here to the park. That was our favorite spot. Like, I'm supposed to be okay with you doing this shit? As, as a man, this is like a kind of tangent. But as a man, um, I have realized that that is like uh, an immediate red flag. Oh, a billion fucking percent. Women be like, like to casually bring up their boyfriends. Like, oh, that was my favorite restaurant. My boyfriend took me there on my 21st birthday or something like yeah. that. And you're just like, yo, why Why is he even... I haven't mentioned any of my relationships 100%. in this conversation. So yeah. why are you bringing up... And you can... You can articulate these things without even bringing them up. You know what I mean? I think that sometimes women think, and this is, if there's intention behind it, then they're using it. I think some women have had men who have been insecure or had problems and they're trying to, in some cases, bring these insecurities out of you to see how you react. I think Mm -hmm. women test men with certain things, not realizing that we can dismiss you for it. So for example... If you want to find out if I'm insecure and you bring up your ex-boyfriend and you say, that was my favorite spot. Like, my ex used to take me there, right? I'm not going to say nothing. I'm going to let you think that I'm going to let you think that you tested me and that was it. And I'm going to be quiet. And I'm going to wait for you to do it again and I'm just going to dismiss you. Mm-hmm. Because you're doing something that I don't do to you. Mm-hmm. Right? I don't be like, man, my ex has some good pussy, man. Man, she used to know how to ride that thing. Yeah. Can you imagine how that's that's an extreme though? But I'm, I'm, saying, I'm saying if I said, "Yo, my ex man, like she has some really good hair," even yeah. something like that, yeah, she had really good hair. Mm-hmm. Oh, anyways, let's go to this restaurant over here. What I'll be like, "Oh yeah, my ex." Or, or the worst is like a comparison to some. There you go. Form. Like say, you know, y'all having dinner or something like that, and you'd be like, "Yeah, my ex, she used to cook a really good soup." Like a really good something that soup. small, mm-hmm. that small. That'd be going crazy. That soup will take a woman over the fucking edge because it's it's like comparing their food yes. or whatever to their yeah that would be that would be good yeah and then what the funny thing is is and it won't and even if you did that and they didn't respond and didn't come out when they get frustrated and an argument happens oh it's you, coming back it's coming back yeah and it could be something completely unrelated you'd be like why did you leave the dishes out I, every time i tell you you leave the dishes out and then you compare me to your ex with soup you'd be like yeah. wait what the fuck is going on here <laughs> uh, yeah i yeah. remember andrew brought that up but it was hilarious how andrew schultz brought it up mm-hmm. he was like i don't get why you keep leaving the doors open it doesn't make any sense and you never buy me the things i want from the store yeah and he was like what the fuck are you yeah. talking about <laughs> Yeah, you just like conflated these two things that don't make sense because the one thing is really bothering you over here, right? Mm-hmm. The, the 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 comparison about my ex's soup that she made is bothering you, but you're using the dishes being out as an excuse for you to like unpack this moment that you're having about the soup. That's facts. I I, I think <laughs> I would just say for people out there, like, yo, that's not that's not cool. And no. even if the your partner hasn't articulated that to you, like they feel some type of way. So yeah. stop doing those like compare. Don't even mention like unless it's like I don't even know in what capacity it can be brought up or what scenario. But unless you got like kids with somebody, the idea of them should be like yeah. mentioned 
very rare. Seldomly. Yeah. Like hardly nothing. Mm-hmm. Nothing. Unless it's like a question like, hey, where did you get this from? Or, you know, maybe it's a present from your from your ex or something like that. And, you know, somebody in your partner is asking you. You could be like, oh, yeah, my, you know, my ex bought it for me back in the day. And just leave it at that. Don't yeah. be trying to say, yeah, she bought it for me. And it was the greatest moment of my life. You know. Imagine imagine this, too. Imagine if they got like, because we talk about the 90s, right? You know how camcorders weren't that great. Yeah. Imagine that they have some old pixelated sex tape with Jada Pinkett and Will Smith and a fucking Tupac. Oh, my gosh. You're like, hell, Mary. <laughs> Run quick C. <laughs> alopecia. You gonna have alopecia in 2022. <laughs> uh, that's why she that's why she cut her hair off. Trying to be like Tupac. I'm dead. Oh I'm dead. man. That nigga Tupac be predicting everything. Oh my god. <laughs> oh I'll be like, nah, I'll be like, how do you <laughs> Oh yo. And that song was like a that was a low-key hit back in the day. How do you want it? Yeah. How I was um, Tupac got likes straight slaps. Yeah, he got some he got Spe- some. like Getting with Dr. Dre, but even before Dr. Dre, yeah, he did. Um, just like great sounding music. I was at uh, my aunt, my my aunt's plural, um, yeah. their birthday party, and it was certain songs that because um, like they had the little DJ set up in the back, yeah. Um, and it was certain songs when you hear them sonically, you be like, "Yo, this slaps." The Still. number one to me is uh, <clears throat> "Keep Your Head Up." That motherfucker mm-hmm. go in. Dent, 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 dent. Mm-hmm. Say the black of the berry, the sweet of the juice, and like he was mm-hmm. just Tupac had this flow about him that like was the he probably might be the most original rapper ever. Yeah, I was listening to um, California Love, right? Because um, I was making the song and I was like, I wanted to make it like a West Coast anthem type right, right, thing, right, 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 right. So I was listening to like what. The subject matter was and like Dr. Dre's verse and Tupac's verse and stuff. Mm-hmm. Tupac's verse was like, it was so much energy. Like, I don't bail for shot of jail here and Hoochie screaming. And it yeah. was like, it literally felt like this nigga got, like, they took the handcuffs off yeah. and then he went straight to the studio. Yeah. And all the energy from yeah. all the scandals and everything and Bro. signing the death row, it just went into that verse. Back in the day when MTV actually showed videos. <laughs> yeah. When I remember I remember so many videos that came out on MTV that were exclusives. And mm-hmm. and like they would be it was so exclusive that they would like be having a little program on like the real world, mm-hmm. real world or road rules. Mm-hmm. Remember those shows on MTV? Mm-hmm. And it would like stop the show and it'd be like MTV exclusive, exclusive, mm-hmm. exclusive. And they did that with um um what's the song with with, with Snoop and Tupac? Um Gangsta Party. Most, America's Most Wanted. Yeah, America's Most Wanted. Two of America's Most Wanted. Ain't that the name of the song? Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, uh, but basically, that that's was, when they in the courthouse and stuff like that. Yeah. With the suits on. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. That was a, that was a fucking massive a video. Uh, yeah. And I remember I seen that when it first came out. Yeah. And then another one was uh, let's flash forward to 1999 with Nas and P Diddy. 
mm. Hate Me Now. I don't know if you remember that mm-hmm. when that came out. And then Nas had the thorns on his head like Jesus. Mm-hmm. And everybody was like, what the fuck is this shit? Because yeah. uh, like a lot of religious people did not like that. Mm-hmm. But it's like he was up on the cross with the thorns and like yeah. rapping. And I was in the eighth grade. I was like, yo, this is so dope. I can't That's believe dope. I'm seeing this. We don't get it. I think like now the mute, the the amount of money going out in the music industry has kind of went down. Right. So we don't we don't get to get those type of moments. Like California Love, they might have spent like $2 million oh, that was on huge. that. On you got Chris Tucker in there. Da, 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 you got da, da, a whole, da. um, what is it called? They, uh, they, they took the theme from Mad, Mad Max. Max. Yeah. yeah. I think they actually, and it was, that was like the second video they shot because they had a um, an original California that, Love music video. That's when Zap and, Zap was Zap was still alive from Zap and Roger. Mm-hmm. Do, 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 I think do, do, George do, do, do. Clooney might have been in the video Who? too. George George Clinton, my bad. I was like George Clooney. What George the fuck? George Clooney, <laughs> no George Clinton. He might have been in the video. Chris Tucker, uh, a couple other people. But yeah, Shit. it was like it was like an event. You yeah, know what I mean? exactly. Like, yeah. Don't, that we don't we don't get that anymore. Like. Mem- you know what I mean? Remember at the end, he's like, computer, 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 computer. Yeah. Shake it, mama. Shake it, baby. Shake it. And then, like, just a shout out to everybody, you know, from Sacramento to, you know, all these different cities and stuff like that. Hey, yo, Zap Zap and Roger has some fucking some hits. Remember them back in the day? They just played at the function, Chocolate City. Do you remember that? Chocolate City. Was it Zap and Roger? Uh, yeah. Oh, it might it might just be Roger, but Roger. Uh, but computer love, computer love. <laughs> um, and then they all they played on every song. So like, um, I think you know, just doing like different little background. That you know, was stuff like believe that. it or not, that was the prequel to Auto Tune. Kind of, kind of. I will say the only difference is. The texture of it, kind of, but the talk box is a real instrument. It's a real instrument, yeah. Yeah. So the idea of it, like, music-wise is completely different. But the, I think sonically, it, there is some similarities. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a trip. Zap, he has some hits, too. Yeah. I'm trying to think of all. He got a couple. He, they did some. Uh, is that Zap, too? Dope, 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 dope. Dope, 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 dope. Remember that? No, I don't know what that is. Oh, John. I think it's Do I Diddy, I think it is. I don't know. He did something with Keith Sweat too. I forget what's uh what song, but he was on there. You could look up like on the you know, they got the Yo, credits on Spotify. Keith Sweat was massive in the nineties, bro. Yeah. He was the first R and B artist to cry for the he was crying for the pussy. Yeah. He's like, I wanna feel yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> he was he was so huge. Like even now, to where like when I tell people my name, like they'll be like, "Oh, Keith, like Keith Sweat." You know what I mean? <laughs> to where like he was just a, a huge. It's just because you black, bro. <laughs> yeah, they gotta compare you to the next black guy. Yeah, I think yeah that, but also because it's Keith Sweat know. is the only cool Keith ever, bro. <clears throat> that's what I'm saying. So that's the like because sometimes when you hear the the name Keith, you it. It could sound like so many different things. You know what I mean? It doesn't sound like you know when you have a multi multi syllable right. name like Eddie. You can't really mistake it when you hear it. Right, you know right, I mean? right. But sometimes when I say Keith, they kind of Heath. Yeah, it's like Heath or what do you like Pete or you know what I mean? Yo, like they, they I don't know no cool niggas named Keith, bro. 
Well, what the hell am I? What the- <laughs> oh man, yo, I was. It was this comedian. Um, it was this comedian that was talking about like, yo, I had to fight for my life without when I was in school. Like nobody was afraid of me. They was like, hey, yo, Harold is looking for you. <laughs> <laughs> If you na- yo, if you got a name like Harold, bro, yo, it, you think about the names back in the day. That's funny. Yo, it was some wild names back in the day, like Mildred, Mildred, fucking Dick. People really named people really like legit had names. Dick. That was a real name back in the day. Yeah, you could uh, not be named Dick nowadays. What about the people named after states? Oh, Carolina. Carolina is probably it's the actual cool name. Carolina. That's the only cool state. Now, if you name me Mississippi, I'm pissed. I haven't, I haven't heard Mississippi. Georgia, I might have heard it. Georgia, Georgia, that's before. my aunt's name. That's my yeah, aunt's name. Yeah, Georgia. Um, Ray Charles made a song called Georgia. Georgia. Florida. Florida. No, James I ain't never heard no Florida. I ain't that never was heard the that. name of, uh, what's the name? In, Texas. Uh, I heard in, Texas before. In Good Times. In Good Times? Yeah, in Good Times. James and Florida Evans. <clears throat> oh, shit. I heard of Texas, but they just called them Tex for short. I ain't never heard Texas. That's a oh, wild yeah. name. Oh no, I know I know somebody named Texas. Yeah, they gotta they gotta uh, take that one back to the drawing board. Yeah, you name I've your... heard of Dakota. Yeah, Dakota. Yeah, that's, that's one. If you naming your kid Nebraska or something, that's what's fucked up. Yeah, I haven't heard Nebraska. Yeah, I heard like a Boston. I think I might have heard a Boston a name Boston before. Yeah, yeah. Well, um. Let's go ahead and switch gears. We're just getting too lost in this conversation. Mm-hmm. But I, I My think... grandma's name is Virginia. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Uh-huh. But yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah. Well, all right. Switching gears. Shout out Tupac. Shout out to Tupac. Shout out to Tupac sex tape with Jada Pink. <laughs> 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 Ain't nothing but a gangster party. <laughs> Will Smith gonna love this. No, Will Smith ain't never gonna find this tape. <laughs> She got like a whole, she probably got like a whole like hidden, like it's somewhere in a bank vault, a bunch of like pixelated uh, sex videos of Tupac. That's crazy. Tupac like. I'm and gonna... then one in HD with August Alcina. Oh, damn. 6K. She got, yeah, she got 4K with Jay, with uh, August. That's crazy. What if she took the old, the old videos? You know how you could take the old videos and update them to like. Like 4K almost. Oh, you can re, uh, like remaster them. Yep, Tupac's yeah. tattoo was brand new and shit in the video. That's hilarious. I was yeah. watching Boys in the Hood on uh, like HBO Max or something like mm-hmm. that. And I was like, yo, this is, cri- the image is crispy. It is. Yeah. Yeah, they updated it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was watching it not too long ago. Uh-huh. All right, switching gears. Um, Gerard Carmichael. Um, comedian Gerard Carmichael just recently came out as gay during his stand-up special. And... Um, I think that the way he did it, like he he did it in such a masterful way. I'm sure it was hard for this guy to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I think there was a lot of very silent moments he was having up there. He was having a tough time doing it, but he still got through it. Yeah. Now, what, I, what I'll say is this. I'm a fan of comedy. And I feel like the way me and Keith look at this, like we don't really give a shit that he's gay. But I think that me and Keith have made it to a place where a lot of people don't make it. There's a lot of homophobia in the world. Somebody being gay does nothing to my life, right? Mm-hmm. So the thing about it, we're like, he came out gay, who cares? But 
most of the world is not progressive in that way. Mm-hmm. A lot of the world is like, oh man, here go another gay black man emasculating the black man and you're doing this. Like, gay don't have a race. People just be gay, bro. Mm-hmm. It's just a bunch of gay people and, and a bunch of different cultures, mm-hmm. right? Even though the average relationship is heterosexual. Mm-hmm. That is the average relationship between, you know, just in general, is mm-hmm. most men and women are together. Mm-hmm. But there are people who are gay. And I think that a lot of people have not updated how they think about what gay is. Yeah. I think that he did a great job of embedding humor within this his personal experience. And I think when you're um when you're a huge, how do you say this? Not only fan of comedy, but when you actually have done comedy, you can find the funny in not in the pain but in the delivery in which a person is trying to express themselves. And I think he did an amazing job. And it, uh, the special is on HBO for those who want to see it. Yeah. Some are going to be like, oh, that nigga gay. I ain't watching that. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, what, I'm, what I'm realizing now is like, um, and not that this is like a ploy or a marketing scheme or something like that, but almost like you mentioned before the podcast, something about um, he is a person that is a comedian and, you know, a a show um, creative and and, and an actor and, you know, a showrunner and show creator. Um, So he he wouldn't have just posted something on Twitter or he wouldn't have came out on Twitter or Instagram or something like that. He used his medium that he's familiar with, comfortable with to, um, to, you know, say what he wanted to say. And I think like, um, it's interesting because that's kind of similarly what, what Frank Ocean did, you know, with Channel Orange when his album right, right, came right. out. Um, and, and it kind of leaked in similar fashions because obviously, you know, people in the, you know, journalism world, they get they get a hold of certain things before things come out. So before Frank Ocean um, said anything outside of the music, people heard him using certain uh, pronouns mm-hmm. in his in his songs, and they were like, "Oh, this is you know Frank Ocean is coming out as gay." And then afterwards, he wrote a whole letter on Tumblr or whatever. Um, but outside of that, I think it's interesting. Like sometimes people waste um, moments on social media. Mm. So like Gerard Carmichael has a special. And, you know, he's speaking his truth. So I don't want to make it sound like this is like some marketing scheme. But it's like if you have something to say, like we need to use our platforms. Right. You know, and I think that's the the power in that versus like this coming out, you know, through it would suck if this came out one when it was not by him. And right. then two, you know, if he just tweeted about it. Right. right. So the same thing with like Isaiah Rashad, if Isaiah Rashad. Um, whenever he decides to, you know, speak about that situation, um, one, it sucks that he wasn't able to kind of like come to yeah. terms with it on its own, but it, it would have been so dope if he would be able to like articulate that in a verse or in a song or something like that. Um, but just with the special, um, it sucks that I, I just ran out of time. I didn't have um, enough time to like actually watch the special. Cause, but the the little bit that I did see, it was like, like an emotional journey and mm-hmm. you know i was like he's a funny comedian uh of course but i wasn't really laughing because i'm so invested in the emotion of of right. what he's you know what he's trying to get out he's speaking about how 
um, the difficulty in it, right? And you, you mentioned before, like the the uh, this idea of like who cares, or like oftentimes we see these things and we're like, why is this even a conversation? And you know, going back to the idea that most people aren't as progressive as as we might be, and how dismissive the idea of like who cares can be, um, because some people yeah. some people do care, and his struggle is probably probably a public one. Um, but I would say the majority of his his real struggle and the real um, tough time he has to do with that. And he mentioned it even on SNL. He's like, New York is like where he lives and it makes him more comfortable because, right. you know, they're a little bit more progressive there, right? But just in your personal life, you know, you're coming out to um, your family, your friends. And, you know, I, I know for for um, for our family, it was we have uh, just a few people that are, you know, openly gay now. Right. And it's, I can, I can understand how difficult it, it could be. Right. Cause you have come up from a very religious background, you know, going to church every single day. Uh, you know, sometimes a pastor can be your father. Sometimes, you know, a pastor can be um, your aunt or uncle or whatever the case may be in your you're having to come out to to these people and you don't even know how they're going to receive it. And one thing that he said is like his brother whom he loves is like accepting of it, but it's like an asterisk by it. Cause it's a lot of us are like, I love you, but I don't love the lifestyle or, right. you know, or, you know, his brother didn't even go to the special to the special. And he had <laughs> been to all of them before. And just the, uh, the kind of, you know, the um, disapproval from his mom and the, just the, the struggle of it's, it's different when you, when you're in a progressive family, right? There, there are some kids who now are going to grow up in a family where it's going to be very easy for them to come out. But when you've, when you, when you live 34 years of your life, or I don't know exactly how old he was when he came out, but when you live a certain amount of your life and this is just kind of the norm or they are just assuming your sexuality. Um, and then you're kind of just dropping this bomb, this bomb on them with this type of information. You know, it, I can understand the, the right. difficulty in it, you know? And, you know, I think that I I would like to applaud him for having the courage to do it. You know what I mean? It's, it's like I said before too, it's, it's different for everybody to, um, for, for these type of things. And I can tell the struggle for him was he already knew the impact it would have on the people around him. You know, that he, he knew that a certain, like the black women, he was, he was saying like the black yeah. women kind of were more ex- accepting. Some of his friends were kind of like, dang, I feel like, you know, I got kind of swayed into having a gay best friend and, and stuff like that. And then obviously like, he's a comedic tone for that though. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I could, I could just see the struggle, and I, I just think it's, it's, it's really dope how he kind of, like, turned this into a conversation piece as long as and well as, like, a comedic thing. What he, what he, the, the comedic tone he added to it, he's like, he said, I've had a friend for many years that I, I came out to and told him, and he was like, I don't, I don't really like this. I feel like I got conned into having a gay best friend or something. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, but he basically, before he said that, he prefaced it by stating, like, I got a friend I've known for years, I've always been there for him. He slept on my couch. I've always supported him. And then he felt like, you know, he almost got conned into having a best friend. And I was like, nigga, you owe me $85,000. Mm-hmm. Right? 
<laughs> but it's it's funnier the way he framed it, obviously. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, um, that and then there was also <clears throat> also like his mother was crying and things of that nature. I just think like, bro, none of us as parents, like I don't have kids, but if I, if you were a parent and your kid came out as gay to you, I don't think your first reaction would be like, oh my God, I'm so happy. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying you would hate them because they're <clears throat> gay, but it would definitely be a shock to you. Because as a parent, the 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 vision that you have of your kids will always be heterosexual. Mm-hmm. And the reason why is because the average relationship is heterosexual, woman-man, man-woman. Mm-hmm. That's the average relationship in the world. So when someone that you expect probably to be a great husband one day tells you, hey, you know, I'm gay. Imagine how that might make a parent feel. They might need time to process it. Mm-hmm. It's not like they hate their kid or whatever, but the the person that's dealing with the, the actual, um, they're the recipient of that energy. Mm-hmm. It, he said, I just wish, you know, I just wish more people wouldn't feel like I had like a disease or something. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But yeah. I think it's another angle too. Like um, as far as like lineage, you right, know, right, 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 right. imagine, imagine having um, one, like only having one kid, right? And then that kid turns out to be homosexual. And that outside of adoption, that's kind of where your lineage ends. Yes. You know? yeah. So that's, that's another angle that, you know, that, that people don't often think about. Um, so outside of like the, the homophobia of it, um, or maybe it is a fear in a sense, right? A fear of you know, not being able to really pass on anything yeah, to the lineage aspect. Because it's like ima- imagine like as a as a black um, man or a black family, and you're trying to build generational wealth. You got this gay ass son walking around. No, that- <laughs> <laughs> it was like this is the end of your generational wealth. Yo, you, you know what it is too. Um, I just had this this thought about it, but. It's almost like the idea of, you know, your grandparents or your parents are like, when am I going to have some grandkids? When are you going to give me some grandkids? Especially in the black and brown community, mm-hmm. they tend to do that a lot. Like, <clears throat> when are you going to have uh, grandkids? You could be 22 years old. When are you going to mm-hmm. give me some grandkids? Mm-hmm. And I think that the idea of, of like them looking at you like, when are you going to give me some grandkids? And then they find out that you gay. So them grandkids, they ain't they never coming. Never- Gonna get no them grandkids, grandkids ain't never man. coming. In addition to them always seeing you as this heterosexual, and especially if you're uh, Gerard Carmichael and you're very successful, they assume that you can't keep women off you. Mm-hmm. Like when you're Gerard Carmichael and you're writing these shows and you're doing all of this and you're making all this money, they just know that you are just you are you just can't stop. Like the panties are everywhere. Yeah. But that wasn't the case. The boxer briefs are everywhere. Yeah, the box <laughs> nigga got Hanes everywhere. <laughs> no, nah, but the, the thing about it too is he said I was having a hard time coming to grips. Like Gerard Carmichael basically explained how he was having this argument with himself, like, what the fuck? How am I gay? Like, I can't believe I'm gay. Mm-hmm. He's like, <laughs> he said, he said, I would be in the shower, like, damn, nigga, you gay. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like he was really having those that arguments. Internal with him. struggle. Yeah, that's why the the movie uh, Moonlight is is kind of s- so important for the world, but you know our culture too, because it's this masculine gay man, you know, and he just he can't really run from the fact that he is attracted to this other guy, 
and you know it's a it's a very powerful movie if you guys haven't seen it yeah but um he, yeah man that's the story we got it we can't jump over this he mentioned the fact that like he almost did not want to be here mm-hmm. like he almost wanted to die in a way mm-hmm. so i i feel like I feel like this special was not only him coming out, but it was a way for him to decompress. Mm-hmm. And he needed to, he need, he couldn't come out without using his art as a, um, it's like a vessel for his, yeah. for his messaging. Yeah. And, and it was people that was clapping and was giving him love. He was like, I need the love, man. Thank you. I need the love. And he wasn't shy that he needed the love mm-hmm. because he probably was not directly experiencing that from his family yeah he's going through it one that's it's ironic he had that conversation about dating a uh a white man yeah um and i had that thought about like because we i want to get back to my point the mic's picking that shit up earlier (laughs) i was on the freeway and there was this guy with the shirt off he looked like, you know, like a homeless guy, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I caught the police, or I caught, yeah, I caught the, I caught 911, and um, where, they where transferred me to, he was on the freeway, but oh, he was fuck. walking, you know, those big, huge blocks that they put out to divide, like, the roads and stuff yeah, yeah, like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> He's, like, like tiptoeing across oh, one fuck. of those things, right? And there's no shoulder. So oh, if no. he, like, slipped off in He's any, fucked. yeah, so I caught the, I caught the, um, I called nine one one and they transferred me to CHP. CHP, yeah, yeah, and then that I got on the line because I was like, man, that's like that's dangerous. And the only reason I knew to call is because one time the um, a traffic got shut down like when we were going to LA mm-hmm. because somebody was like basically um, looking like they were going to run into traffic. So it wasn't. Just, it was a time <laughs> where they stopped traffic, and I took the fifty eight instead of the five. Mm-hmm. Uh, or the 99 because I mm-hmm. split off 58. Mm-hmm. And the reason why it was shut down, I found out a man committed suicide. He jumped off the fucking bridge. Oh, my God. This is here in Bakersfield. Yeah. It's further down. The, it's right before the 99-5 uh, like split right there. Yeah. And I was just like, geez, man, that's fucking, that's terrible. Yeah. But um, what I was saying was like, <laughs> um, you know, like there's this, um, like that same idea he had about like what people thought about like, uh, black couples, right? You know, this strong black family dynamic and stuff like that. But I did have a thought like, yeah, I wonder how that works, you know? Like, does it, because part of the black, you know, um, the desire to have like um, black couples is like, you know, kind of like a lineage, it's a cultural thing, but, you know, partly to do with like the offspring as well. But it's like if you're you're a man, he he basically articulated in the in the in the show like um, that he's not screwing up anything because he's not having kids with this man. So it was just a thought I had, which is ironic that he um, he was able to put that into a joke. Yeah, man. I, I thought I'm gonna watch the rest of the special because it's really it was really interesting. Yeah. Like you you're kind of watching a person's experience kind of play out in real time, mm-hmm. um, and I, I thought that was an interesting element to the whole deal. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Gerard Carmichael is a pretty funny guy. Um, I haven't been, I haven't seen a lot of his work over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, but he had a he had an audience there. But he mentioned something about like he's like, man, he said I could imagine right now somebody on HBO, somebody watching this with that girl, like, oh, we turning this shit off now. It's a gay comedy. He's show. like, this is a gay comedy show. I ain't watching this. Mm-hmm. And I, I think like as as people, we got to get past that. Mm-hmm. I feel like if somebody's being if, if somebody's saying or doing something that doesn't really make you feel comfortable to watch or whatever, I get it. You don't have to tune into that. 
But I think we still need to make it to a place that if somebody is displaying an art form, it has nothing to do with them being gay. Like, for example, let's say somebody is, uh, I don't know, they're an embroiderer. They do like embroidery work, right? And they're really good at what they do. And then there's one guy that's gay that that is a good embroiderer. And it's a dude that's not gay. And he's like not as good as the, as the gay guy. Mm-hmm. There are some people that will go to the non-gay guy just yeah. because he ain't gay. Yeah. And it's like, I, I personally don't give a fuck if you gay or not. If you could do a good embroidery job, I'm going to go with the best person. And that's because I don't have this built-in, like, almost built-in homophobia. Mm-hmm. Like, that has nothing to do with me. But I think a lot of people don't look at shit like that. Yeah. I don't think we have completely made it to a place where that's the thing. And it's not even a deal of appropriating gay or not. Mm-hmm. It's not even, that's not even the conversation. The conversation is, is like, don't unsubscribe. It's almost, okay, like Isaiah Rashad, right? Mm-hmm. Isaiah Rashad, they came out with that freaking, uh, uh, the sex tape that it came out that mm-hmm. exposed him for being gay. I still like his music, though. I think he's a dope artist. The crazy thing about Isaiah Rashad is the happiest I've ever seen him on camera was when he had a dick in his mouth. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> and that is—that's a joke, but I'm serious because <laughs> if you look like <laughs> when you look oh, at the shoot. when you look at some of his interviews, right on the oh, I wasn't Club, expecting that. <laughs> On the Breakfast Club, but just look at his interviews. You just can tell he's kind of like, yeah, he's just kind of like sitting there, kind of very monotone. Oh, there's a correlation there. Yeah. So, you know, it's a joke, but I'm being serious. Like, And even when he's the other video where he's in there with the guys or whatever, he's like, he's having a good time. He's in, he was in Dixieland. That's <laughs> <laughs> the happiest place on earth. That's wild. Yeah, yeah. but I, I think what it is, though, is like, even though that's a joke, I understand, like, we sometimes we add too many stand-up elements when we say things, and some there's people truth to the, there's truth know. to the joke. There's mm-hmm. truth to that joke where you know maybe in that environment where he can be himself in that moment, he was happy. But when he's doing these interviews, he's constantly hiding who he is. Mm-hmm. He's hiding on a Breakfast Club that he gay. He hiding with TDE that he gay. He hiding his rap songs that he gay because he mm-hmm. always rapping about women. So he's hiding, 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 hiding. The fucked up part about him ha- being uh, exposed for that sex tape is that he probably didn't want to come out like that. Mm-hmm. But the good thing about him being exposed for that is the fact that he could just live his truth now. You know what yeah. I'm saying? But, the, but even with uh-huh. that, you have to come to grips with it, right? Yes, we We are people like, you know, like the nigga that get caught cheating and he like, that ain't me. That ain't me in that tape. Or your girl, didn't, your friend didn't see me at the club with such and such. You know, like we, we right. lie to the death. You right, know right, what right, I mean? right, so right, right. I would just, I would hope that, you know, that kind of nudged him into the, the, the direction of, you know, living his, living his I truth. Think that, I think that, the, like, it's almost to the extent that some people that can openly be gay is saving their life. Yeah. Yeah. Be- because Ger- Gerard Carmichael basically said like he just did like almost he almost wanted to die. Mm-hmm. But in his words, I don't know if I'm articulating it properly or give or doing it justice. But he said something like I didn't like almost didn't want to be here anymore. Mm-hmm. So he was he was saying that he would rather die than than come out. That, he planned right. on not coming he out. At not all. coming out at all. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. But I, yeah. I think I think that he had to do it. 
I think, I think that, sorry to cut you off, but I think that's empowering to, to, to certain people that are mm-hmm. struggling. So somebody could watch that and be like, yo, like, I'm going to come out to my whomever, you know? There, there was a video of this kid that was coming out. And, I mean, I, you could obviously tell that the young man um, was some, had some flamboyance to him that he probably was gay. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't, it's not okay to just assume somebody gay, but you could kind of tell. There was mm-hmm. lots of tones of him being gay. And he's like, Mom, I just have something I have to tell you. And she was like, and she was basically telling him, like, it's, tell me, tell me. It's okay, tell me. And mm-hmm. he was like, you are, aren't you? You're, you are. Like, she didn't even say you're gay. And he was like, yes. And he started crying. He's like, it's okay. Yeah. His mom already knew. Yeah. You know what I mean? She already mm-hmm. knew that the young man was gay. Mm-hmm. But I think he needed that acceptance. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And, and, and the thing about it now in 2022, it's becoming more easy for people to decompress and do that. And that's why, like, many, I talked about many years ago how I would say things that was homophobic and not, and think it was cool or not realize that it was hurting people. Right. But over time, you, you, Especially when you mature as a man, you see that, like, being homophobic is not masculinity at all. Mm-hmm. At all. Like, I've seen some people give gay too much energy. Like, man, what them gay people doing here, man? I don't even want them here, man. What they doing here? Mm-hmm. And it's like, why are you mad at somebody for being gay when they way over there? Mm-hmm. How does that affect your life? They gay minding their business. Yeah. Like, if you like pussy, don't worry about what's going on over there. Yeah. Like, what's the big deal? Mm-hmm. That's why, I like, when people be like, um, on the internet, it's supposed to be Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. What's possessing you to write this stuff? Mm-hmm. Like, what is what is driving you to put this energy out there, bro? Yeah. You know, I got uncles and people in my family that still dropped the F-bomb that rhymes with maggot when it comes to gay people. Don't be appro- appropriating this gay-ass shit. Don't be putting this gay shit all over the fucking place. And they would be like, it's your generation that want to appropriate this gay shit. Don't put this gay shit. I'm like, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. Like, that's, that energy is just, that's just too much. Yeah. And then, and then what people do, here's the thing that I don't like. I feel like as human beings, we are imperfect human beings. Mm-hmm. But we like to pick and choose what sins in the Bible are sins. Mm-hmm. We'll be like, gay is the number one sin. Mm-hmm. Gay is, is saying the Bible is an abomination, right? But that's like the only sin we pay attention to. Do you know how many motherfuckers that I know that don't take care of their kids have children out of wedlock? have premarital sex. You know how many fat people exist in this world? Isn't gluttony a sin? Like there's every, we're all sinning. We just sin differently. But we've, as a group, we've determined that gay is the worst sin. Mm-hmm. We've determined that, hey, um, you could be 400 pounds, just don't be gay. You know what I mean? You, know yeah, yeah. you could be on my 600 pound, what's it called? My 600 pound life or whatever. Mm-hmm. You could be six hundred pounds, and they could—they gotta—they gotta knock a whole wall down and use a forklift to get your ass out the house. But just don't be gay, yeah. you know. <laughs> it's crazy how it's crazy how we view these things as like a society of people, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, man. I think uh, I don't know. I just think it's powerful for me. I'm, I'm for me the the coming out was like when I seen the headline. I, I didn't really. Um, Pay too much attention to it. Right. I seen it. and I was like, oh, this is uh, this is interesting. So I didn't I didn't do like a deep dive, but I kind of 
you know, took a note of the the headline. Um, but when I was watching the video, I'm I think I'm more interested in the human experience, right? And maybe that's like the filmmaker in me. So that thing I wasn't when I watched it, I wasn't really laughing much. I'm just looking at him and like this emotional um journey he's going on where right. he's like wiping his head and he's like taking you yes. know, taking his time and like slow pacing it and the way that um I forget who directed it. They they mentioned his name, but or the person's name. Um, but they did a great job of just kind of like selecting R- Richard the right. Simmons. Richard Simmons. Is Richard Simmons a, a Richard Simmons? The, that's the gay guy that does it. Wait, you mean the guy that the exercise yeah, guy? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I don't know. I'm fucking I was like, I'm not familiar with Richard Simmons' work. <laughs> Richard, shout out Richard Simmons. Is he still alive? I'm about to Google that right now. Yeah. Richard Simmons, people could laugh and say whatever they want, but he he um motivated a lot of people to lose weight before the uh before the you know Instagram fitness era. He got a lot of fat white women in shape. Yeah, he sure did. Um I think he's still alive. Um born he's 73. Okay. Sure. It's not saying that he died, so he's still alive. Good deal. Um but yeah, I I think like, you know, the way that, you know, it it was kind of uh like if you just kind of look at the for me I'm a person that I I am an empath so when it comes to um looking at those type of videos like I'm I'm kind of like um I'm kind of like in, internalizing some of the emotions that these people are going through mm-hmm. and that's what I that's what I noticed from watching that like it's just like this kind of roller coaster of a person that is like it's it's almost like you would think he would be free, mm. but I don't I don't even think that that's I don't think and I haven't watched the whole thing so I, you know I would have a better take if I if I did but it didn't it didn't it didn't seem like like uh like he could let his shoulders down it was almost like he could let him down but like a little bit you know what yeah because it's still dealing with his family and, and yeah. all these other things and his and his friends and stuff like that because. Um, so I, you know, it, 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 I think what it does also, it gives me more, um, compassion for even my own family and stuff. Like even yeah. my, my cousins, I, I, that, and maybe, maybe that's part of it. Like I'm kind of overcompensating for them. I do tell like most of my family that I love them, but like, I kind of do make sure to yeah. tell my gay cousins like, Hey, I, I love you, man. hundred like, percent. You, know, you always got my support no matter right. what, you know, who, whoever, whatever anybody thinks about you. A hundred percent, man. Mm-hmm. Cause it's like. When you think about it, like I've I've got some cousins that are gay, and and the thing about it is, is you know some of like some of them feel outcasted. It's, it's some people that will literally move to another state so they could be openly gay. Yeah, I got a cousin that moved across the country mm-hmm. just so he could be gay. Yeah, but it's like it. I don't know. It's it's, it's crazy because he got on there, and the only thing that's a little awkward is he he be really posting a lot of gay shit on there. Yeah, like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It'd be like, like, ooh, I just met this dude with a big old booty. You'd be like, nigga, you know you got your family on there? <laughs> Damn. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, All right, man. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to have to scroll through that one. Yeah. It's it's interesting, though, even the, the, um, the dynamic between, like, a, a, a woman having a homosexual experience and a man. You know, there's, there's a, there's a person that can listen to Drake's song, 
the little baby and Drake song, like what girls love girls or whatever. Mm-hmm. They listen to that. That'd be the anthem. That'd be the anthem. Everyone having threesomes and stuff like that. But when it comes to a guy, that's not it's like, yeah. You can't be like, guys like guys where I'm from, where I'm that's from. That's wild. Did Drake just come out to be headlined? <laughs> Who are you? Yeah. Imagine a girl remixing that. Oh, yeah. Women are not in the gay guys. Nah, yeah, not. Not at all. Yeah. No. <laughs> mm-hmm. Ain't never been a woman like, I just love gay. Yeah. Women ain't, women ain't with that. That's crazy. Yeah, that's, even that's, even women that have had like trains ran on them and had damn dude, you really going for it today, aren't you? What's what's what you said? The trains running? You just went straight to the train. But I'm, that's like that's a thing. Like we, I'm sure we know women that have had. Trains but hold running. on a minute. We, if we want to be politically correct, right? It's considered a threesome still. A train? No, like a, a three. If it's two people, if it's three people. That, that's why I mean I'm delineating both of these right so if it's a threesome it's a threesome but if it's a train it's generally like a guy has sex oh, with shit. her and then another another uh, multiple guy, yeah but shit. it's it's consecutively more so than like wow. at the same time but what I'm saying is like a woman would be okay with that experience because it's still a heterosexual experience oh. but if the guys happen to start like kissing each other I'm sure women are listening like I don't want no train what is that what is Keith talking about but there's it's real. This isn't I haven't this isn't I haven't made this up. I'm just saying that in, as far as like how we look at a threesome with two women versus like, you know or like if a girl start kissing each other and a thing and guys start kissing, it'd be a whole different Yeah. Whole different thing. Women know there's there's an acceptance there. There's some women who will be conveniently gay. Mm-hmm. I love my best friend. And then they kiss each other on Snapchat. You'd be yeah. like, are you guys lesbians? No. Some girls be only lesbian on Snapchat. Yeah, like they'll be like licking their friend in the face. Mm-hmm. You'd be like, are you guys like together? Like, no, we're just really friends. You'd be like, yeah. are you sure what's going on here? I love my best friend. <laughs> yeah. You'd be eating her coochie too. <laughs> why, why is that like the standard voice now? Right. Like, oh my God, like why? <laughs> I don't know. That's like the standard California voice. Yeah. And it's not even a white girl thing. You know how many black girls I know that talk like that? Especially out of like LA? Yeah, they got that kind of valley girl like, accent. Like, are we like going to go to like Stater Brothers or like where are we going? Yeah. Are we going to Trader Joe's again? Yeah. I love avocado toast. <laughs> 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 Oh my! I'm so tired of taking that. No, that people that's like privileged and rich got that same voice, and they will probably complain about like, I'm tired of taking the black Lamborghini. We can't ever get the red one. <laughs> oh yeah. my god! Yeah, you be like, girl, if you don't shut the fuck up, I'll take any color Lamborghini. Right, right. Yeah. That's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's that. Shout out to Jerk Gerard Carmichael, man. Sure. The one joke he made, or that somebody in the audience made is like about him hiding his name or something like that. He didn't even comment on it, which I found very interesting. Mm. He, she, uh, he was talking about like hiding or something like that. And she was like, what about your name or something? They said it like that one of the audience members and he didn't even comment on it, which I thought was interesting. But, um, the name of the special is his first name. So he was he was he goes by his middle name, but Mm. his first name is Rothaniel or something like that. So, Mm. Um, that's there's some like uh, subtext to that as well. It's kind of right. like being like coming into like you know kind of presenting yourself as your authentic your mm-hmm. authentic self. You but know? I think that that spoke to the type of person in the audience. I think that when when the people in the audience can match your intellect, yeah. that makes your comedy even better. Yeah, like I feel like when when I hear Andrew crack when I'm listening to Andrew's uh, 
podcast with his uh, Flagrant 2. Shout out to Flagrant 2 podcast and Andrew Schultz and Alex and all those guys. But when I hear them having a joke and they'll crack a joke about like Paul Revere or the crack a joke about some historical figure and I start laughing, it's because I'm on the same intellect as them. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're stupid, you'll be like, oh, what's that? Yeah. What is what is Watergate? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah what is <laughs> what yeah. is the Watergate scandal? What yeah. is that? You know? Mm-hmm. When they have these higher level conversations or they 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 use these tones of comedy or conversations that can go right over most people's heads. You kind of you kind of gravitate towards um like the audience that you I guess the type of energy you're on kind of right. predicts the type of people that would gravitate towards. hundred percent. Right? So like a guy like J. Cole, um, I would say a lot of his fan base is college college graduates or people mm-hmm. that are, you know, still in college now. Um, you know, just kind of, you know, even even in, even on like a semi-negative side, like a guy like Lil Durk, I would imagine the majority of his people that like his music are like, you know, cert- living a certain lifestyle, you know, where they may be breaking the law every day. Right. So, um, so I say that to say like even, yeah, like you said, like with Gerard Carmichael, he has kind of developed a, an, an audience for, it's probably uh, very diverse and people that, you know, that are not, that are that are smart people, you know, smart enough to kind of sit through his TV shows, smart enough to sit through his his comedy and take everything in, and you know, people that think for themselves too. And you know, this is probably like, I think you could kind of create a certain, um, um, I guess, a s- certain lifestyles too, right? Because that's this that's a small, intimate show. It probably costs a certain amount of money to even be there. Yeah. So the person in there could be a business professional of some sort, you know, yeah. that probably spent a few hundred dollars on tickets and, you know, they may work at uh, whatever company or whatever. So, yeah, that kind of speaks to that. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. I just think that um, I think at some point he probably was in the room with all these executives and all these people and all these different men that were like telling him shit like, man, I know you about to get some pussy tonight. Look at your face because. As men and women, we have heterosexual conversations. Mm-hmm. So a woman could be amongst of other women, and they'll be like, "So have you guys slept together yet? Tell mm-hmm. us the tell us the details." But no one's considering that she might be a lesbian. Mm-hmm. Same thing with men. Men will be like, "So like, is y'all you gonna hook up? You ain't have you ain't smashed yet?" Like these are real conversations that men and women have. Mm-hmm. So what if somebody's telling Gerard Carmichael like? So I seen you looking at that blonde girl earlier, man. I think she wants it, dude. I think she wants you, bro. And he's probably tired of putting on this mask that he has to constantly have on 24 hours a day. Mm -hmm. And he used um, his comedy special as a vessel. Mm -hmm. Or uh, what's the, I'm trying to find the proper diction. Not Not a muse, but like just like a vessel. It's a medium. The medium, exactly. So, but yeah, shout out to Gerard Carmichael, Carmichael mm-hmm. and we will switch gears. Switching gears. Recently, a police officer um, choked out another police officer, um, and this is not good. Florida cop grabs female officer by the throat after she pulled him off of a suspect. A veteran Florida police officer is under investigation after he was caught on video grabbing a female cop by the throat when she tried to pull him away from a handcuffed suspect. 
So, uh, Sunrise Police Sergeant, he's a police sergeant, which is scary. Um, Christopher Police, P-U-L-L-E-A-S-E. That's a funny last name, like the police, but his last name is Police. Let me use restroom. All right. No, you go ahead and you use the restroom, Keith. Okay? You to- toilet sexual? <laughs> uh, Christopher Police, 46, is accused of attacking a 28-year-old female officer who hasn't been named outside... Who hasn't been named outside of a shop, a shop and save convenience store, November 19th. Uh, the ordeal unfolded when police, the, the cop uh, and several other cops were arresting a man for aggravated battery after he had hit after he had hit people outside the store. Body camera footage, which is only released last week, showed police walking up to the suspect as officers were struggling to get him into the police car. Um, police, police. Uh, allegedly leaned into the car, pulled out his pepper spray, and aimed it at the suspect as he spoke to him. Uh, the female cop suddenly ran over and tugged in police pulled, tugged on police belt in a bid to get him away from the suspect. The body cam video showed. Police whipped around, grabbed a hold of the officer's neck, and shoved her against another patrol car, according to the footage. Sunrise Police Chief Anthony Rosa described police behavior as disgusting. The chief released the video without any audio and refused to reveal what police had said to the victim or his fellow officer. Okay, now to follow up on this, this is what he said. Uh, police, the, the officer that was choking out the female officer, he told the suspect, he leaned into the, to the squad car where the suspect was in there and he says, do you want me to um, remove your soul from your fucking body? There's a video of this. You can go to YouTube and find it. But he told the guy, I will remove your fucking soul from your body. And he was just going, he was going crazy on the suspect. Obviously, the suspect had committed a crime. He's like, you want to disrespect my officers? But I feel there was like a personal element to it. But the craziest thing about it is the the suspect happened to be black. And there's like a story, a very storied or a, a narrative that is existing in America with like black suspects and white cops now if you're if if i'm a cop in general whether i'm black or white but especially if i'm white i think that i would be aware of that situation and how bad it would look for me telling a black suspect that i want to remove his soul from his body right so the female officer did the right thing as a as a thoughtful police officer she grabbed the uh, cop by his belt to pull him away from the suspect and he turned around and choked her and it's all on video see here's the thing when i when i mentioned the people i said we need we need the police but we need good cops people say we don't need the cops we don't need like bro we cannot patrol ourselves we cannot police ourselves when the pandemic happened we couldn't even stop from buying all the fucking toilet paper okay so we need some form of law and order or everybody's gonna get their house broken into and shit but that's neither here nor there. We need good cops. We don't need cops that are racially profiling. We don't need cops that are assaulting people. We don't need cops that are doing a fucked up job. Mm-hmm. We need more cops like this this woman that was able to that wanted to pull away her fellow officer from doing something crazy to protect the officer and the suspect. Mm-hmm. See, she did her job. That's why I say we need good cops like her, mm-hmm. not a fucking Loose cannon that's choking out his own officer, who happened to be a woman, by the way, too. So that looks even worse. Not only are not only are you assaulting your own officer, but you assaulting a woman too. 
and you telling a black man you did the two worst things in one action. You threatened a black suspect's life, and then you turn around and choked a woman. Yeah. That's like, yo. Two minorities that people care a lot about. Yeah, apparently. that's like that's like the ultimate liberal situation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, like women, minorities, mm-hmm. and you assaulted both of them at the same time. Yeah. You fucked up so royally, man. The only yeah. thing he could have did worse is throw some homophobic slurs. The only thing, only thing he missed out was saying nigger. If he would have said that, that would have been like, uh, what do you call that? What did Jay Z call it? Uh, a triple entendre. A triple, a triple entendre. <laughs> it would have been a triple entendre, man. That's hilarious. Yeah, it's, it's just a, it's a wild situation, man. Yeah, that that's that's the thing. Like we always talk about. I told a story, um, a couple years ago, maybe, um, where. I was at a uh, a light just a few blocks away from here, and there was it was like the um, it was the streets were set up to where you yield to turn left. Basically, like you can cross traffic. There's no actual turn signal, but you know you could pull out and turn left when when the traffic is uh, safe or whatever. Um, and I can I don't remember exactly the scenario, but what I do remember is. Um, there was a situation where the light had barely turned green, mm-hmm. and I was—it I, wasn't like I was on my phone or nothing. I'm literally looking at the light, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I look at the light, and maybe a second, like it might have been one, one thousand, two, one thousand, and then I started to, you know, put my foot on the pedal. But within that time frame, the police was just like the officer was just like, oh, like basically saying like, "Yo, hurry up and drive" type mm-hmm. of thing, and um, I it kind of like. Uh, made me aware of the lack of emotional intelligence that a lot of police officers have. Lack of patience. Yeah, lack of patience too. So when I see this thing, you see like you see how loose a lot of these police officers are. Mm-hmm. They're, they're walking around with the same temperament as a Will Smith. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like they don't, they can't control their emotions. For you to not only say that to you know to a black man, but to turn around and not only um, choke uh a woman but a person that you work with right you know what i mean it just it just looks so crazy and you just see the rate and he's also like a bigger dude i could imagine there's some you know it might be some steroids involved who knows he looks like a person that may have cycled off of it a little bit like a bigger kind of husky guy but you just that's that's the thing that i i see the most like this just the lack of emotional intelligence and i think that there should be something implemented for um uh, police officers like some sort of man- mandatory um therapy you know what i mean because these people are seeing they're seeing a lot of stuff in the the woman the rage that the woman received was just a byproduct of him not being all there you know what i mean i don't think she you know she did anything wrong in that situation no. and he probably is appreciative of her in hindsight but you know, it's just so many police officers are seeing so many things, they're hearing so many things. There's there's just a lot, I would imagine, going on in their mind. And I think that a lot of that just goes unchecked, you know? I can't make, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying you're making any excuses for him, but I can't make any excuses for him because a woman in that moment was able to have enough emotional intelligence and to pull him away from a situation that he was making worse. Yeah. Right? And I'll say this too. This is what no one talks about. Like, Imagine this. Imagine what's going on in his personal life that he could be um, uh, projecting in his job. 
certain things that you do in your personal life can bleed into your profession. It could bleed into your relationships. It could bleed into all those things. Mm-hmm. So imagine you're a cop. You come home after a 15-hour shift, and you bust your wife sucking some dude's cock. And you're like, oh, what the fuck is going on? Now you got to go to work the next day, and you're still dealing with this rage and this moment, and you're dealing with these real-life things. But you're not dealing with them like me or Keith. You actually have a gun and a badge and you're a cop and you're dealing with people. So what happens is you're not mad at this dude because he did some shit at the store. You're mad because you busted your wife giving a blowjob and you're going to take this dude's life because you can't control yourself. And that's what a lot of cops go through and no one talks about it is the fact that when you can't manage your life, it will eventually bleed into your job. And here's another thing. I think that there are some people that were trying to absolve this cop saying, we don't know what cops go through and it's a tough job. Then get another fucking job, motherfucker. Nobody's begging you to be a cop. The cop that pulled you away from the situation is a better cop than you. Mm -hmm. You happen to be a... How did you become a sergeant while literally threatening to kill somebody and then choking out your fellow officer? How did you even get that high to be a sergeant? Think about, okay, th- this is the thing that's crazy. Before the like the onslaught of social media, imagine how many cops got away with this behavior because there were no cameras. There were no body cameras. There were no actual camera phones. So they was doing old school policing. Here, nigga, shut up. Come over here. Mm-hmm. You know how many racist encounters I've dealt with mm-hmm. on my own? Me and you was together and we got racially profiled. Yeah. Like, and, the th- and nobody wants to believe it. Like when you even say the word racism or uh, if you say the word racism or you say racial profiling, there are so many people that abuse this narrative that it's taking it's taking the air out of the conversation. Mm -hmm. But when you've literally been like in the middle of it, like due to people not being able to see the world through your lenses, they're going to be like, oh, God, here they go with the racism talk again. Oh, God. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. But you got to understand Racists can be cops too. Mm-hmm. Racists can be uh, librarians. Yeah, like they could like who you are as a person is not going to stop you from getting a job. Mm-hmm. You know, at the end of the day. But let, let's reel it all in here. I don't want to be babbling too much. In this specific situation, you've seen a person that doesn't have the temperament to, it's t- to be a cop because you got to realize something. When you take on a job like truck driver, police officer, um, fireman, shit like that, right? Mm -hmm. This is not McDonald's. You cannot burn a batch of fries and just go make a new batch. You're dealing with people's lives. Mm -hmm. So when you pull a trigger on somebody or you you literally tell them, I will remove your fucking soul from your body, there's intention behind that. He was about to pepper spray a dude that was already in the back of a squad car. Mm-hmm. She was trying to help him avoid a fucking lawsuit. And he still oh, was doing prison this. Time. In prison, bro. Honestly, that cop needs to be in prison. He, that's the only place this motherfucker should be. Mm-hmm. Do you know how many cops right here in Bakersfield, right here in Bakersfield, have been busted on drug bus in BPD? Mm-hmm. It was one dude recently, the cop, I think he, he was like part owner of like a CrossFit gym. This is recent within like the last two years. Mm-hmm. This motherfucker 
was stealing police evidence and selling drugs. Mm-hmm. And he, I think he ended up getting probation. Bro, my uncle did like 13 years in prison for selling drugs. Why don't you give this cop the same time? Your uncle so should have been a cop. Huh? So your uncle should have been a cop. He might, as, he might as well have been a cop so he could sell dope. <laughs> but let's be clear. This is not a blanket statement on cops. It's cops that come and do their job, clock out, and go home to their families. Yeah. They not into none of this act, none of this activity with none of this bullshit. But I applaud that female officer based on the fact that she was policing the police, bro. Mm-hmm. Think about that. Yeah. I think um going back to going back to that idea of um like emotional intelligence and stuff like that. Um, and how a, a, a police officers, it could, it could be their actual job or it could be their personal life kind of leaking into their job right? or vice versa. Um, I know after, um, after the whole Will Smith and uh, Chris Rock situation, um, I had a, I had a doctor's appointment and I went to the doctor's office, um, and, what I started to realize, I was consuming all of this 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 conversation about Chris Rock and Will Smith, and then also I'm internalizing it because I'm like, yo, I feel very bad for Chris Rock. Right. I'm also kind of angry at Will Smith in a sense. Um, I'm internalizing it like I'm like really connected to these people, right? And I'm only just fa- uh, just a fan of these people, and right. then on top of the Twitter timeline, right? Yeah. Um. So. I'm standing, or I go to the doctor's uh, office, and um, I'm standing outside of this door, and I call the the doctor's office, and I'm like, hey, this the door is like, something's going on. Like, I don't see how I can get in here. Um, the door is locked. So I call them, and the initial time I didn't really get through, um, and then the phone just hung up. So I mm. call back, and, uh, you know, I try it again. Um, still locked or whatever. I call back and then I'm trying to get through and they're like, "Hey, let me put you on hold for a second. Let me see what's going on." And uh, a security guard came up and I had my earbuds in, and he was like, "Hey, can I help you with something?" And I'm like, "I'm on the phone." And then he's like, um, "Yeah, I seen you trying to open the door. Like, are you trying to like get in?" And I was like, "I was like, yeah, I have an appointment here, but the door is locked." And he was like. Um, Oh, you gotta the the it's on the other side. They moved the office from over here over mm-hmm. there, and I was like, "Oh, okay, I, I appreciate it." But in the moment, what I was really thinking is, "Nigga, why are you coming up and talking to me? Mm. Like, I'm I'm trying to do something. I'm not I'm not breaking no law or anything." Right, right, right. But like, I was getting a little bit snappy with him because I felt like he was profiling me and all mm. this stuff. But what I realized is that I'm. He, what he did was very innocent, and on a normal day, I would have just been mm-hmm. like, "Hey, yeah, I'm just trying to get over here, and the, mm-hmm. the door the door seems to be locked." And he would have been like, "Oh, go over there." Mm-hmm. Um, but in that moment, I'm like internalizing all this conversation, the slap, and all this, mm-hmm. and I'm just getting real like kind of snappy with him. And um, that's just a byproduct of what was going on and the emotions I was having towards that whole thing. And even so much so when I got in there, um, and part of it may be like the. The other side of it, like when I got in there, the lady was telling me that I was late. Mm. Um, she was like, "You know, you're late, right?" And I was like, "Well, I was down there, and the you know, the, no one answered the phone, blah blah blah." And um, she was 
she was like, yeah, well, I'm just letting you know because, like, you know, you, it may push your appointment back. And I was getting kind of, like, snappy with her, too, um, because I almost maybe internalized that as her trying to take, uh, not really take advantage of me, but, like, you know, just kind of looking at me or the tone that she was saying it, I just, I didn't necessarily right. like. Um, but that, but I say all that to say, like, that's the type of, um, that's human, human nature, right? And that's the type of things that police officers are also dealing with. Mm -hmm. And if you can't recognize it as quickly as I was able to recognize it, or, you know, if you're going out and you have these deadly weapons on you, right. or if you're going out and you're a police officer that has um, somebody in a vulnerable position, which mm -hmm. may be, you know, handcuffs, whatever the case may be, you may have, like you said, like a, uh, a gun on you or a baton or whatever the case may be. And, you know, if you don't got your emotions in check, you will very well just use that on, on, on an innocent person. So, yeah, it's uh, unfortunate. I think that I think this is true whether it's for relationships or for a job such as being a police officer. Mm -hmm. There's only so much therapy or training that you can do. <clears throat> I feel like you have to have life skills that equipped you for a job like that. Mm -hmm. I really do. I really think if you're not equipped to be a cop, you will not be a good one. I think if you're a person that doesn't have control of your life and you get you become a cop, it will not end good for you. I think it, I'm talking about who you are as a person needs to be able to perform that job. I think that there is no amount of training that will prepare you for the shit that you're going to see in that job. Mm -hmm. They could train you and say, this happens, this happens, this happens. There was a video, a shootout popped off and a cop had a panic attack. Did you see it? Mm -mm. A, sh a shoot, a, a dude was just shooting back in the police and the cop got out of the car and he just had a panic. He said, ooh, ooh, ooh. He fucking freaked out. All that training he did and he just fucking was. And then the other cop had to be like, hey, hey, snap out of it. Snap out of it. What are you doing? Come on. Come on. We got to get it. We got to snap out of it. And mm -hmm. the dude had a fucking meltdown. Mm -hmm. Right? And there's some other cops that's looking forward to that. That is like, oh, I wish you would try something. I'll blow your head off. There yeah. was a video of um, uh, it was a stop. And the cop was like, what are you guys doing there? And he had his gun drawn on the cops, but the cop didn't know that the dude in the back seat had his phone. And the cop had the gun. He says, say one word, I'll blow your fucking head off. And mm -hmm. he was like, oh, my God, officer, I don't know what's going on. And it was some scared teenagers that happened to be black. And you got a gun drawn on them telling you would blow their head off without no context. Mm -hmm. It was no real police stop. It wasn't you missed the light back there or you didn't use your, your left or right signal. He just came with his gun out. Mm -hmm. Right. And to the people that are super police supporters, they'll be like, well, we don't know all the details. And there's, but there's no reason for you to tell somebody you will remove their soul from their body. Yeah. There's no type of way that you can dismiss that. Mm -hmm. That doesn't make no sense. That's just as ridiculous as the people that's trying to like, um, trying to absolve Will from slapping Chris Rock. Mm -hmm. Like, they're, like, advocating for violence in that moment because it fits their narrative. Mm -hmm. It's just like with a cop pulling a gun out or telling somebody some shit like this. You can't support that. Mm -hmm. We need more people to have obje objective stances. Mm -hmm. But I don't want to beat this over the head, but what I will say is this. Like I've said before, that one bad apple, that bad apple conversation needs to stop. 
And it's not to say that cops are bad or good. It's to say that they are 100 percent human. I've mm-hmm. said this a million times. So the fact that we try to whenever a cop do something crazy, we like to say, well, that's not all cops or that's not all cops or that's not all cops. I know it's not all cops, but it's enough of these motherfuckers that's doing this shit. Yeah. It needs to stop. Mm-hmm. Period. There cannot be bad cops. The reason why is because they do a very serious job. And in this case where a, good, a cop was doing a good job at policing, she got choked out for being a good, decent human being. Yeah. You, can still do your, you can still do your job and be a firm police officer and say, hey, we're not playing that game. Sit back in there and be quiet. Close the door on them. Move on about your business. Mm-hmm. But the fact that you're screaming at somebody... You try, that's the that's the wildest video. That's I've seen fucking in a wild, bro. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah, it's just like what was that video with a, a dude that got shot with his girl and his ba- and his daughter in the backseat? Um, what's his name? I forgot. I don't know. I'm God damn it, knowing the names. But the dude shot him, and his arm was like this. You know mm-hmm. what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. And when he shot him, he was like, he's like, don't move. He said, I have my license. He wasn't even moving fast or nothing. And he was like, huh, huh. and it's like, bro, these are the type of motherfuckers that shouldn't be cops. Yeah. He shot the dude in cold blood. He said, yeah, actually, I do have a weapon. I do have a gun, but I have a license for it and everything. He was honest about him having a gun. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he says, yeah, I do have a gun, but it's it's um, I'm it's, I'm legally carrying or whatever. Mm-hmm. The dude just shot him. Yeah. And it's like, bruh. Yeah. And it's like, I can't, you can't tell anybody how to police or whatnot, but goddamn, you just not built for it, homie. Yeah, that, that I think like... Um one of my physics professors, he was basically telling us in class, he was like, um, getting the wrong answer on one of these tests in the in the real world is the uh, the difference between a spaceship um, landing on Mars and a spaceship blowing up in Earth's mm, atmosphere. You know that was I mean? a great analogy. So, like, in terms of um engineers and stuff like that they don't have room for error you know they're everything has to be extremely fine um they got to be very detailed double checking everything um but we don't take the same care and concern when it comes to like policing and training i'll tell you what i would liken it to a truck driver that falls asleep behind the wheel Mm -hmm. if you're not equipped to do that job and you don't take enough um, consideration for the fact that you need adequate sleep to do that job and you fall asleep behind the wheel of this death machine mm-hmm. a truck can turn into a death machine if it's not operated properly mm-hmm. that can kill multiple people mm-hmm. if you don't take into consideration that you need adequate sleep and you and you sleep behind a wheel and you kill 15 people mm-hmm. you work you do a certain job that requires a lot of how do I say like expertise, like you mentioned, it could be the difference between a a, a, um, a spaceship landing and one blowing up in the air. Mm-hmm. Now, when you take on those type of jobs, you have to understand the amount of seriousness involved. Mm-hmm. Don't become a truck driver or fuel hauler or whatever without realize. Don't don't try to be a flatbedder. There are dudes that 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 haul flatbed that don't tie down properly. That load could fly off on the freeway and kill 15 people. Mm -hmm. If you got steel beams, you're going to have beams flying all over the road killing innocent people because you aren't equipped for the job. Either you don't know what the fuck you was doing or you didn't double check, you didn't triple check. 
you, whatever the case, you didn't get enough sleep. But when you a cop and you got shit going on in your life and you look, the best thing you could do is if you know you're not mentally right is go in there and say, man, this is what happened to me. Mm-hmm. I busted my wife cheating on me yeah. or uh, so-and-so died in my family or whatever is going on. I need time to myself. I need I need to go home. I cannot do this today. Yeah. That could be the difference between you blowing somebody's head off and you actually going to play some pool with your friends and blow off some steam and have a beer or have a conversation with your therapist or talk it over with your wife. Yeah. Whatever it is, you better do it before you end up like this cop because they don't look good for him. This this does not look good. Yeah. I think that I think the this is what something that I've learned like the past year or so is like uh, the lack of concern or care or immediate concern that we have for our mental health is um, very detrimental. Oh you yeah, know? it could lead to Will Smith. You losing your job. <laughs> you you know you slapping someone on national TV and losing out on you know different films and different opportunities. Yeah. Um, it it could be the the um life and death of a of a relationship 100% of a friendship all these things like when we don't when we don't take the time and care to really um like show real concern for our mental health and actually do actionable things for our mental health right um it's 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 not a good it's not a good thing i i I'll, I'll even add more to that and say that moments of impulse are not just moments of impulse. There is a snowball effect. Mm-hmm. There has been something that has been snow, snowballing and the issue has gotten bigger and bigger until the action was was like impulsive. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Kind of like with the, the Will Smith shit or like I mentioned earlier, I don't like to keep mentioning, you know, the cop coming home and busting his wife giving a BJ, but those things can spiral out of control if you don't do a good enough job managing Mm-hmm. those things mm-hmm. um but yeah I, I think we could close this conversation and i think we need to give a shout out to that female officer that did a yeah. good job um we need cops like that we mm-hmm. need cops that want to protect um the community um mm-hmm. and in, in that moment she was trying to do a triple job she wanted to protect the suspect and the cop she was just doing her job and mm-hmm. she ended up getting choked for that um, that's so crazy. I hope she doesn't quit. I tell you that much. I hope she doesn't quit her job because that's one less good cop on the force. Mm-hmm. You know, but there's that. Um, switching gears. Uh, new NFL hiring requirements. Uh, me and Keith were talking about this earlier, um, but I will read it uh, in specific from the article. Okay. Um. It states the the league's Rooney rule. Uh, now it says the league's Rooney rule adopted in 2003 has required teams to interview minority candidates for head coaching and other senior positions. Now, for the first time, the NFL says teams have to actually hire, in quote, a female or member of an ethnic or racial minority as an offensive assistant coach in 2022. Here's the problem I have with this. The problem I have with this is I don't want I don't want a hire of a female or a 
minority to be forced into place. I don't I don't believe in that. I think that you should want the best candidate. I don't I don't I think this has somewhat of a participation trophy element to it and I don't like that. Yeah. I love coaches that happen to be black like Mike Tomlin who has never had a losing season. I like different like Todd Bowles and other coaches that happen to be black that but they're very qualified and very good at what they do. What I don't want to happen is people who are not qualified to be in positions because it will not justify why they're there in the first place. Mm-hmm. If you just, and the thing about it too, I have no problem with women being involved with football at all, especially if they know the game. There's a bunch of women on ESPN that talk football, but they know what the fuck they talking about. Mm-hmm. I have no problem with that. My issue comes in, where if you're an offensive assistant or your coach or whatever, your position coach, if you know the game and you know all the nuances of the game, you deserve to be a part of it. I don't give a fuck if you woman, whatever. Yeah. But please, please do not hire unqual- underqualified women or minorities. That's not going to look good. And I really hope that they don't do that. And I really hope that they don't pass out coaching jobs like Halloween candy. Because <laughs> that's not what we need. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. We we actually need women who are the best. Like somebody was saying, like, um, what if they had a woman kicker in the NFL? And I was like, that would be dope. But she better be good though. You don't just want a woman kicker in the NFL just because she's a woman. Yeah. Cause there was a woman kicker that played in college uh football, was it like a year or two ago? It's, I mean, they come every so often. It's it often. was one at Vanderbilt a few years ago. Yeah, so, yeah. She just wasn't that great. I mean, it's 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 a difference in skill and power, you know. It right, just comes with the the biology. Yeah, exactly. Biology. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like so when people say like, you know, <clears throat> we can do anything a man can do. I disagree because we can't do everything a woman can do. Yeah, there are things that women are just way better than men at. Yeah. There are just things that women are just way better than men at and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Or our bodies will allow us to do certain things. When it comes to being organized and, and literally creating certain spaces for productivity, men just cannot do what women can do. Mm-hmm. When it comes to certain things such as that involve strength or certain stuff like that, like women just can't do that. Mm-hmm. It's, just, it's just how it is. But mm-hmm. I don't want to get all off track. <clears throat> I just don't, I don't, I don't like the environment that it could create. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But yeah. I think um, for me, and not in like a, I guess I don't want to come off as sexist, but the only issue I have with, and maybe it is sexist, but the only issue I have is the the segment where you have to hire a woman, right? Like you have to. Yeah. Or a minority. I, that's not, I don't have a problem with minority, but mm-hmm. the, just the women um, part the minority thing is fine with me because um, one this is in these are like assistant roles and I think that it's it's um, it's football there's 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 such a high turnover rate of coaches anyways right, right? Um, shout out to Asani Rufus also he just yeah, nice. got hired on the 49ers staff my favorite team and, uh, and my high school all in one shout yeah out he went to BHS Asani went to Rufus, Nevada man. yeah he's a he's a legend out here in these streets but um, I think that um, 
when it comes to hiring like minorities and stuff like that, I think that I think that implementing that idea is important because when you have so much power as an organization and when you're um, owned by, you know, majority white owners and stuff like that, it may not even be racist. It may just be like um, like not literal nepotism, but like Mm. ethnotism or something like that, where it's like Mm -hmm. you're just you're just. You, when you just see two candidates and one is named DeAndre and the other one is named um, like Steven or something like that, you might just inherently go with the guy. Um, so I can I can understand the the idea of like hiring minorities, but the, I think the women one is a part, and they're they're clumped together. So I can't really say, but I just I think that when you when you think about um, adding that 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 clause in there where it has to be a a, a woman a, a woman on your staff that's the, like really pushing the the yeah the problem that it that it breeds is like one women don't like grow up playing football that's a good point right you know it's it's a sport where if a woman if a woman is probably on the staff she probably just loved football so much and right. studied it watched it um and kind of came into it from a coaching standpoint right she I could imagine she didn't grow up playing defensive linemen in in high school or you know in junior high playing you know cornerback or something like that. Oftentimes, when we do see women, um, and there was one on you know I don't think not on your team, but on my brother's team, and then also on my team. Ironically, they were they were siblings. Um, they're kickers, you know what I mean. So they're not even in the offensive mm-hmm. defensive meetings, you know what I mean. I I just think for for like uh, one time Floyd Mayweather mentioned, he was like, um, you know, just basically uh, he was kind of like roasting some of the uh, uh, other trainers out here in, bo- in, in boxing and stuff. And he was like, I can't really speak on anybody else as a boxer. But for me, um, I want a trainer that has been in the trenches. I want a trainer that has, you know, been in there and done 12 rounds and they know exactly the type of gyms, the type of advice that mm-hmm. um they could they could share with me what is going to be a lot different if they've been in that square circle. Um, so I would yeah. imagine, you know, if you're a um, a football player and you have to hire a woman on your staff, um, and you're trying to get c- certain technique advice, whatever the case may be, from a person, you would want it to be. Like a guy like Asani, mm-hmm. when he's on the Niners staff, and I think he's coaching DBs, um, he knows through and through. Yeah, he knows. Right. You know, when it comes, to, he knows how to tackle. He knows different footwork. He knows schemes and stuff like that. So I think like the women can grasp the intellectual part because they're not inferior intellectually. Hundred percent. But as far as like you know, technique wise, tackling wise. You know, Asani is going to be able to give a completely different perspective than a woman that has like the book information about, about this thing. So I think that's just like the danger of the NFL trying to be like super progressive yeah. all of a sudden. And it seems like exponentially now, right? Yeah, it's, it's, I think, I feel like it, I won't say it's snowballed, but I feel like there's a, a almost like a residual effect from the, uh, the Colin Kaepernick situation. Yeah. How after that, like the NFL all of a sudden became more progressive. Yeah. Right. All of a sudden you start seeing in the end zone, like it takes all of us and end racism and Mm -hmm. all this shit out of nowhere when there was no form of whether there was no talks of race or 
politics really in sports. And then after that, you start seeing that. And now you're saying, oh, we need to hire a female. And it's like, what I only thing is this. Almost every guy that or every man that is a coach has these qualifications mm -hmm. because they grew up playing a sport. Mm -hmm. My thing is, is I would really just expect and we want to talk about equality now, not like sexism or anything mm -hmm. from an equality standpoint. If a woman has special information, meaning maybe she grew up playing Australian rules football mm -hmm. where she has tack, she's tackled a lot of people. She mm -hmm. has a lot of information about tackling and somehow she when she's in America she um learned the game of football mm -hmm. and she's like went through this master class she knows what she's talking about she knows techniques she's personal the 49ers had a female coach when they went to the Super Bowl mm -hmm. Kate Sowers mm -hmm. she's a really good coach mm -hmm. and I, I'm not I'm not sure where she's with now I, I still follow her though Kate Sowers was a good coach um but you have to have the same information a man does. Yeah. That's the only thing. I, I just, I, my thing is I want women to be successful in, in the NFL. That's mm -hmm. the stance I'm coming from. Mm -hmm. I want them to be successful in the NFL, but I don't want them to be given a participation trophy. I want them to really do their thing. Yeah. And as far as the NBA, I don't think there's any excuse why there shouldn't have been a female head coach in the NBA. There should have it should have been done. You know how many women could dribble a basketball and shoot on an elite level mm -hmm. who are professional basketball players? Who was the one recently? Um Hammond mm -hmm. from the Spurs. Mm -hmm. She I think she took a coach a, a coaching job recently as a women's head coach in college basketball. Oh, I didn't know that. Shout yeah, she should have been mm -hmm. the fucking once Popovich left the Spurs, that should have been her job, dog. Mm -hmm. She should have been a head coach of the Spurs once Greg Popovich retires. But, but I mean, I will say even with that, as far as not giving a participation trophy, um, who knows? Like, and wasn't did she get a head coaching position when Popovich got sick? She was the head coach when he got hurt. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I could see. I could see that. Um, yeah, it's 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 tough just because it's so it's so many and it's it's only what thirty two teams, so it's hard to say like who should be what head coach win. Even a guy like Mark Jackson has not gotten another head coach opportunity. Here's the thing with Kate Sowers right here. After an amazing trip to Augusta with Mercedes Benz celebrating amazing women leading the way in the fields, I I felt it was only fitting to look back at one of my favorite career moments on the on the football field. Uh, the moment Ottawa Braves women's flag football team. Well, this is a flag football team, but they have a women's football team, actually, where they mm -hmm. actually wear pads. That's cool. They need to start letting women play football. I think that there needs to be a women's football league. There are a lot of good athletes mm -hmm. that are shot putters and all kinds of shit that could be really good athletes. That would be crazy watching women's and, football. And, and I told you about this before. Seeing that whole lingerie league that they had years ago, you know what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. Where these women had their asses and titties all out, and I didn't like that. Mm -hmm. Even though the titties and the ass look good, I don't want to objectify. Shout out to titties and ass. Shout out to that. But I don't want to objectify women trying to play a sport. I thought that was fucked up. Mm -hmm. let, let Put some real pads and clothes on these women and let them play the, the game. Stop having women out there like a fucking circus act. I'm not with that. Yeah. And there was one girl that mm -hmm. made a tackle and then like her pants went all on her booty like a G-string and stuff. And then everybody was like, woo. It's like, bro, you whistling and catcalling and shit while they, it's just too much. 
it's almost like eating. It's almost like me trying to eat a meal at at uh, Hooters. Mm-hmm. I, I don't like Hooters. I don't like Hooters because I don't want to be looking at titties and ass when I'm eating chicken wings. Yeah. It's like you're blending. It's it's just a weird spot for me. I don't like strip clubs either. I'm not with the strip clubs and spending my money on naked women, mm-hmm. right? I'm not trying to conflate all these things. All I'm saying is <laughs> in certain spaces, women deserve to be looked at as a professional athlete only. You dig what I'm saying? Yeah. And when it comes to like that lingerie league shit, at least this is what I say. This, this is a good one. If you had a pipeline of women who played. Is that Mario? A, huh? Did you hear that? What? It was like the Mario theme song that went. That was playing outside. I don't know, man. There's always some shit going on down there. There was a motherfucker yelling earlier. We both yeah. heard it. Yeah. He's like, get out of my fucking way. <laughs> I'm like, dog, I hope he's talking to a person. Gerard Carmichael is gay. <laughs> <laughs> like, what? <laughs> I seen that sex tape from Jada Pinkett. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I'm going to shout from the rooftop. <laughs> Dude, if you don't shut the fuck up, we're going to do a podcast. <laughs> No, but I think if there's a if there was a pipeline of women who played arena style football and you know wore full gear and all of that and they played corner and defensive line and all these things, I think it would create a pipeline of women who could become coaches because they would be immersed in the culture and the game and and as long as they played the game, they have a real understanding for it. They understand what a three technique is. They'd be like, hey, I need you to line up here. Mm-hmm. I need you to do this. And then the players actually could watch their coach's game film. Mm-hmm. Like, it don't matter if a woman or a man is doing it. Like when it comes down to even with basketball, like women in the WNBA do things at an elite level just like a man, not at like athleticism wise. We ha- There's a disparity there because men are stronger. We have more muscle mass and all kinds of shit. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to the fundamentals, women right there with the dudes. Mm-hmm. When it comes to moving the ball, dribbling, all those things, you. I may- seen somebody do a crazy dunk the other day. She was like six two. Whoa! Oh, wait, wait, wait! I don't think it was on a fast break. No, nah, it wasn't in the game. It was like she was in high school, maybe. Bro, I seen one in the game a couple weeks. Is it the WNBA? No, it was in college. My bad. Maybe, this yeah. is probably like two weeks ago. It was on a fast break. Mm-hmm. Ball got loose. I think she was only like six two. Mm-hmm. I don't think she was six three. She That's got long crazy, arms, bro. though. She jumped yeah. up, and she slammed the fuck out the ball. Mm-hmm. I was like, yo. These women getting athletic. These women starting to really. They should. We, we just got to be patient with the WNBA. Yeah, we got to be. Because if yeah. they start dunking and cry, like, that, that, I think. They already been doing that, though, homie. They was doing that back in 97. It was a couple of them. Like, uh, Lisa Leslie Lisa was Lisa Leslie dunking. was. She wasn't dunking regularly. It wasn't like she was yamming every play. Yeah, but, but she was dunking, though. She was dunking very rarely. Yeah. But what I'm saying is. LeBron James could dunk five times in a game. Right, right, right. If right. women start dunking like, like it's a thing, they throwing lobs mm-hmm. and all this kind of stuff. Right. I don't even think it's going to need any sort of integration. I think mm-hmm. people will start gravitating towards women basketball, like you know, watching it on you know on the same at the same frequency as we're watching the NBA. Bro, it, it was sad to me is bro when the WNBA started in '97, it was fucking huge. Mm-hmm. And it was so entertaining to watch. Mm-hmm. Like I remember, like literally, I remember all the all not just the household names, all the players, like the the Sparks that had Mabika and freaking Lisa Leslie, and then the 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 Houston Comets had Tina Thompson and Cheryl Swoops. And, yeah, I and think fucking huh? I think Cynthia I Cooper. knew huh? like 
when I was a kid, I would remember books with um, like Cheryl Swoops in there. Yeah. They would have little, you know, books in my elementary school, yeah. books with Lisa Leslie on the cover and stuff yeah. like that. They were in magazines and, and stuff. I I think it really boils. It's the the at the end of the day, the NBA is a business, right? Yeah. Um, and I think that we are making it more complicated than it really is. If you um if you look at any sort of like documentaries or if you look at any sort of like they have this uh the show about the Lakers um and Magic Johnson and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Before Magic Johnson and Larry Bird got into the NBA, the NBA was failing. Mm. Um, and yeah, true. when Dr. Buss bought the Lake, and this is the way they put it in the in the show, like when he bought the Lakers, he just had a vision. He knew that Magic Johnson was t- like a tall point guard, and he knew for you know without a shadow of a doubt that he needed Magic Johnson on the Lakers. Um, and he had this idea of like making the form like this attraction and, and all these different things. Like he just had a vision. I think that. That's all the WNBA really needs. It's not a basketball disparity, even though they're not as like um, athletic a- as the men. It's just it's just marketing at the end of the day. And I think mm-hmm. like people are looking at it as in, in a way where it's like, well, we need to support this or support that. It's like if you have any business, it's not, hey, um, even with our podcast, it's not, hey, we have a podcast. Go listen to it. It's like we have put quality we put you know cameras we, right. we market it a certain way we put out clips we have yeah. youtube we're yeah. just kind of spreading ourselves um around and you know just kind of using our money you know to to invest in ourselves and in, 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 in different ways we've That's traveled right. places to interview people we've experienced mm-hmm. things to talk about i see what you're um, getting at and that's how our podcast has grown mm-hmm. um you can't market anything by saying hey Come over here because that's what you're supposed to do. Mm, so they're doing it like, hey, point. we're just as skilled as the NBA players. It's like, no, you got to come up with a like market your league around great players. You 100%. know what I mean? Like, in attractive people as well. Like, you know, like I don't know how good Taya Cooper. I think, the, I think Cooper, the Sparks are doing it right now. Yeah, that, that's the that's as much as you would want to be looked at as like just you know, skilled basketball players. It's like, you know, Steph Curry is partly popular because he's an attractive guy. Um, and also that he's really good at basketball. Um, so Market, when it, marketable. Yeah. That, 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 that's all it really takes. And I think that, you know, people are trying to have this like sexism aspect to it and all these but different it's, things. It's happening in male, in the male league and the female league. What's that? Like just the marketing aspect mm-hmm. of it. Like, um, like you mentioned Steph Curry. Um, but this is also can be done very easily. I think the Sparks are doing it better than anybody because Taya Cooper is sexy, man. Yeah, Taya Cooper, I'm good. not trying to objectify her, but just look up Taya Cooper. You'll see what mm-hmm. I'm saying. Yeah. Um, Taya and Co- they're also marketing themselves as kind of like, not like sex- sexually, but they know that they, they know be that. posting pictures outside of basketball. Yeah, not just her. Now they got Liz Cambage. Mm-hmm. And Liz is a giant. Like mm-hmm. she's six foot eight, but she is very beautiful, yeah. very tall. Yeah. Um, she knows what she's doing. She knows what she's doing too. Mm-hmm. She got her OnlyFans. You know that, right? No, I do not. She has OnlyFans. Where she but post? she but she mentioned she mentioned that like there's nothing dra- dramatically different from what I posted on my OnlyFans. Mm-hmm. Um, she was talking about that with um uh, uh Serge Ibaka. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I think that it's very it's you make your team very marketable when you got Liz Cambage who's very sexually attractive. You got Taya Cooper. She's very sexually attractive. 
they got another girl there that's fine too. So it's like they got a couple of girls that can really play the game, but they happen to be really hot. I was telling Keith, I told Keith before the pandemic happened that we need to go to some Sparks games. Mm-hmm. So I think this this will be the year that we definitely go up there and check out some games, man. Yeah, that'll be dope. That'll yeah. be a dope experience. That'll be a dope experience, man. Mm-hmm. Get up there and get some. I want you know what I'm not gonna say we need to give some male representation because truth be told a lot of men be really watching WNBA. Mm-hmm. There needs to be more women supporting the league. Mm-hmm. Honestly, even um um freaking Stephen A. Smith said that yeah that the WNBA needs more female support. Mm-hmm. There is a dramatic number of women who rather watch basketball wives than actual basketball women playing professional basketball players who happen to be women. Well, I th- I think women it's. It's hard because I think women there's there I think just sports in general are dominated by men, right? Right, right. Um even if you look at college campuses, there are oftentimes like a ma- a male sport that doesn't have a female comparable sport, mm. you know what I mean? They change the rules a little bit, mm-hmm. but um I say that to say like the average and I don't know what percentage it is, but the average basketball fan is probably like a man there are some Mm. there are some the casual like woman that watches basketball knows lebron james and maybe steph curry right Mm. and they probably know steph curry for his relationship as well and Mm -hmm. just because he's kind of the light-skinned you know kid is like shoots the ball really good right 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 so it's it's kind of like you know as far as the women's support goes i think that's I think that's true only if these are like diehard basketball fans. Mm. Like the casual fan, I you know, they're not even watching basketball, male basketball enough to really even know the nuances, you know what I mean? Yeah. They don't know the six man on the Lakers rotation or you know what I mean? They may not they may not really know who Trey Young is from right. anybody. Um but yeah, I think it's I think you know, I, at the end of the day like us as people that kind of want to see the WNBA elevated is we just got to pop up. And the thing about it too is like I grew up watching women's basketball. Mm-hmm. And I, I think what really like uh, I won't say immersed me in it was that my sister played varsity basketball for four years. Mm-hmm. So I, I used to go with some of her practices because I'm well shit. Yeah my sister's three years older than me so I'm talking about sixth, seventh grade right in there. Even before I'm going to her practices and watching them practice hard. They moving the ball it's just it's just basketball. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, I've seen a lot of very competitive women's basketball mm-hmm. coming up, mm-hmm. you know. And then when the WNBA popped off, I was a huge fan of it. I was a, I mean I was a Laker fan, so I'm naturally a Sparks fan. Mm-hmm. And it was one year that the Sparks and the Lakers won the same year, mm-hmm. so it was dope that my two favorite teams had won. Mm-hmm. But you know, over the years, I got a little more disconnected from women's basketball. One social media came and really started fucking it up. Mm-hmm. Like it was a lot of people cracking jokes, and then it started to become a running joke. And then the marketing was kind of starting to get fucked up. So it's like, yo, in order for women's basketball to make up to bounce back, there's gonna be some things that need to be done. For one, we're gonna need some more stars uh, out of the WNBA, and then now we're losing Candace Parker in the mm-hmm. whole league. She just retired, I believe. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I think Candace Parker just announced her retirement. Mm. You know, she's another one that was dunking, too. Mm-hmm. You know, so. Yeah. But my thing is, I don't want women to just be doing these regular little, like, this the dunk, like, like these weak dunks. 
I want like if that one girl I seen like two weeks ago. She threw that motherfucker down. Mm-hmm. Like she threw it down like a legit dunk. She wasn't no kind of like I'm tall enough to. She do jumped it. far too, mm-hmm. dog. Like mm-hmm. she jumped far and threw that bitch down. Like she threw yeah. the, she dunked the fuck out that ball. But even even like the most exciting, probably like when it comes to excitement in the NBA, um, the probably two most exciting players to watch is probably like Kyrie and Steph. Mm. So I think like, I don't know if there's a WNBA comparable to those guys. Obviously these are like once in a generation players. So I don't even expect like there to be one in the NBA now, Mm. but I think when that person does come, maybe it's, Two years from now, maybe it's five years from now, but you got to like, they need to be on every commercial, mm-hmm. everything, because that's like, those are the, the those are the, the uh, players that make us turn on our TV. Like, oh, Kyrie, Kyrie, he, just the other day, he had like 65 points or 68 points or something crazy like that. Yeah. And it made people turn the TV on. Like, oh, snap, he going crazy. Um, yeah. So it just, it's, it's going to take, like you said, it just takes superstars, man. That's the that's the only way to to get us to get excited. But I, I I will say even like with NBA, I'm not watching it as frequently as I used to. Right. Um. Just because you know, the regular season after you watch so many regular season games, you'd be like, bro, this is just it's the same thing every year. But when the playoffs start, that's when it kind of gets gets more exciting. Yeah. Because then you you know you're seeing all the best players being showcased. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Let me see what team. I'm trying to remember her name. She's from where's she from? See, she's from New York. She plays for the New York Liberty. Mm-hmm. She just got drafted last year. Fuck. She played at Oregon, mm-hmm. the one that was uh, pretty close with Kobe. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. that was another girl that just uh, she was in the um, in the playoffs, the women's basketball playoffs. That was super young when she was um, playing with Kobe and stuff. But now she's in college. Oh really? Yeah, they asked her. They asked her about it. Uh oh, here it is. Sabrina, Ano Sabrina Anoscu. Uh huh. She got a game, bro. Mm hmm. Yeah, Sabrina Anoscu is really good. Mm hmm. I think she gonna end up being the face of the league, which is important. Yeah. Yeah. So She's a rookie or what? She was a rookie last year. Okay. Yeah, but this year it'll be her second year. She came. She coming off an injury. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, hold on. She, it was her. It was her second year last year, actually. Okay. It was her second year last year, um, so it'll be her third season because mm-hmm. she got hurt. So we'll see how that's going to go. Yep. But I don't got much, man. Um, we think we made it to the end of this thing, man. Yes, sir. Yeah. So if you made it to the end of this episode, man, we appreciate you. Thank you for listening to a Trucker's Mind podcast. I'm Eddie McGee. It's your boy, K. Things. We're out of here. Peace.